Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast, place about games, friends, getting better. My name is Ben Hansen, and personally, I'm happy to be here. I'm joined by Leo Vader. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I think it's been a while since you've been on. Yeah, since the last Bossman one. Oh, I got yeah. my morning voice. Got my morning correctly voice. Love it. It's better for everybody. We're also joined by Jeff Markiafava. That's me. Wahoo! The new Charles Martinet, everybody. And then Haley McLean. Hello. Oh. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show, everybody. And to everybody watching or listening, we welcome the, as well, to the sanctuary of gaming. A uh, couple things. Let's let's set the table before we cromp on some game discussions here. First things first. Um, we're recording this before theoretically Nintendo Direct has been announced. It seems like the entire world is convinced Nintendo Direct is coming at any second and it's going to be huge and awesome. We're not covering that on this podcast because we have not seen it and the Nintendo Direct hasn't been announced. What do you want from us? Uh, but obviously we'll cover it in a big way. Uh, the first chance we get if it is actually announced. We're also Sony fanboys, so that's right. you know, conflict of <laughs> yeah. interest. That's right. Show the tattoos, everybody. Woo! <laughs> uh, also, Lies of P and Faye Farm, we're going to be talking about on next week's episode of the podcast when more people have had a chance to, to jump in and, and check those things out a little bit. And then last bit of table setting. Again, and this food is steaming and juicy and ready to be eaten. And by food, I mean games. We're going to eat some bites, everybody. B-Y-T-E-S. The point is Trivia Tower, everybody. Uh, the next episode of Trivia Tower, I want to give everybody an extra special heads up that that is happening Tuesday, September 19th at 6 p.m. Central. This is our community video game trivia show where if you support MinMax at any tier on Patreon, even the $2 tier, you can jump in, compete in game trivia this Tuesday, September 19th. Uh, Mike Mignotti from uh, J- James, Giant Bomb, and Games Beat. Uh, he'll be joining us on the show as the special co-host. Uh, but this is a very special episode of Trivia Tower where this is the Grand Round. Round, the grand Round. Wow, round, round, round. round. still got it, everybody. Uh, which means if you are the last person standing in game trivia, you will win $1,000. No jokes one thousand dollars to the grand prize winner last person standing so jump in compete your butt off in game trivia help support independent games media at the two dollar tier and uh, that can be yours if you have the skills also though if you make it to the third floor you will automatically win a code for the making of karateka the game we talked about last week one of my favorite games of the year um and then uh also we have more codes for curse crackers if you make it to the top five so a ton of game codes giveaway literally hundreds of game codes to give away you get to choose what you want but a lot of prizes in there so you can help support the show jump into the two dollar tier a bunch of other benefits but also compete in trivia tower enough of the plugs on this episode of the podcast we're going to be talking about starfield it's been out we've been sitting in it we've been flying around inside of it uh we're going to revisit it unpack it a little bit more compared to uh, the episode from a couple weeks ago then we're going to be talking about now now we're play with your food we're going to be talking about the crew motorfest we're going to be talking about leo you're telling me this game is called wayfinder yes i've quadruple checked <laughs> you've gotten it wrong every time you better believe we're gonna be talking about wayfinder uh goodbye volcano high super bomberman r2 gumbrella finity and then a little twist final fantasy 7 ever crisis uh, get ready for some dorkitude everybody so a ton of odds and ends and then back half of the show we have some great uh community questions that we'll dive into as well jeff how you feeling dude i'm feeling great are you how many yeah. hours have you put into starfield at this point um, I think 
Last night it was 56 hours when I started, so probably probably pretty close to 60 now. Okay. Wow. Love wow. it. Love it. I want to pack all this. Haley, where are you at with Starfield? Not nearly as much, like 15, okay. 20. All right. Still warranted. Leo, where are you at with Starfield? We haven't checked in with you I'm, at all. I'm split. I'm splitting the difference. I'm at like 35. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Go. I'm probably somewhere in the Haley camp, maybe a little bit uh, south of that. So Jeff, um, you're you're bringing the most home here. Um, I'm well. I'm I'm also like four main missions into the game. So, uh, why would it's, it's all been it's all been insane side quest stuff? Just just I ping pong just from one side mission to the next. I'm. I'm like a random do-gooder who just anyone who walks up to me and tells me their problem, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll I'll go check that out for you. Does uh, that feel like a but the problem is to go? that when you're halfway through the neck, you know, helping Joe Schmo over on Mars, you run into someone on Venus who needs your help, and then you're like, well, okay, I'll help you too. And now I just got this huge backlog of people that I need to save, and it's, it's not going. And well. some are men, some are women. It's a mess. Yeah. Have you uh, been given the what seems to be common knowledge now about Starfield of the first playthrough is a joke and you need to get to New Game Plus and that's when you really play? Yeah, well, I've I've seen um, I've seen mixed signals on that. I've, oh, really? I've seen editorials. I've seen hot takes saying, hey, just blow through the, the first time and then do everything on New Game uh, I almost said new show. I plus always say new show plus. plus. It's <laughs> yes. so hard not to say new show plus. Uh, but yeah, but then I, I, I see other ones that say, no, just do everything you want to it the first matter. time. So I don't know. I'm all, I'm, I'm just living, I'm just living the space life at this point. I think you're doing it right. Just play the way you want to play. Yeah. But that said, like, I, I have not been spoiled on what the new game plus is. And it's just, it's so easy to hook me with that idea of just seeing a couple people be like, Pfft, New Game Plus is wild, y'all. It's like near automata level wild. It's like, oh, well, now I I cannot help but just gun it to the main quest because I'm totally on that crusade. Like, I just need to see it for myself. I want to experience it for myself. Is it, if it's truly one of, like, the greatest moments of the year, just to wrap your mind around the direction they choose to go for New Game Plus, it's like, I can't, I can't just butcher people on moons anymore. I got to beeline it through the main quest stuff, which I'm having a fine time with. I know it's no one's favorite part is the tough part. The, the main right. quest, I, it serves to take you around the universe to go like, Oh, I have other side stuff to do here while I'm here. And yeah. then that stuff seems to be giving me the most. So I'm kind of forcing myself not to rush it, even though that impulse is there. And I still haven't spoiled for myself what the new game plus thing is, right? which right, right. I'm grateful for. So I am curious to see it, but I'm also, you know, it's the journey, not the destination. That's right, man. Uh, what, do you, really- what do you think about this game overall, Leo, since you haven't really weighed in yet? I really dig it. Ooh. Okay. I, I it's fun getting a game like this a few weeks early and mm. not having any like outside opinions kind of color your uh expectations for it because I had I put a lot of hours into it before it launched and I was like I'm not sure what people are going to hate about this game. I I know they're going to try. I've seen enough to know they're going to try, <laughs> but it seems really really solid. And I still do think it's beautiful and it's polished. More yeah. flaws have shown themselves. The way I see it right now is it's like a game with 100,000 things to do and like 20,000 of those things are fun. And that's a lot of fun things. <laughs> that, that is a lot of value for me. I, I, I just like what Bethesda does a bit more than I expected. I was like, I miss this. This is the type of game I do want to sink into. I, in a similar way to you being in the vacuum of, of takes, I feel like even 
now that the internet is filled with takes, um, I'm just not really seeing too many of them. I see like hardcore defenders in our YouTube comments and stuff, but that's about it. But also it's like, I feel like an anomaly here just because I've never been a big Bethesda fan. So I didn't really have expectations going into it. So I also played this game and every time I play it, I say, this is a cool game. I like this game. I really like the art. I think it looks nice and there's some cool things to look at. I'm having a fine time with it. And then I just open a blind in a window for a second and see that the internet has lit itself on fire <laughs> ripping itself apart about this game i don't i don't know man it's on game pass i'm having a fine time with it and the art's cool i'm, I'm happy with it i know a lot of the i i was listening to uh the previous min max conversation about this two episodes yeah. ago where a couple of people were not as hot on it and i didn't disagree with any of their mm. criticism really except for one thing i might get to in a minute but it, it's like yeah the flaws are there of course the stealth is you know, it's not in the game. They forgot to have stealth be a mechanic. <laughs> they act like it is, but you cannot stealth anything. But it's like, wh- when has a game ever done this many things perfectly? It's it's yeah. it's kind of a quantity over quality thing. And maybe that's not your bag and that's totally fair. But I think it's it's a lot to expect, like every system in a game with this many systems to be totally clicking. Yeah, it. It does it does feel like the exact opposite of where the consensus has landed on open world games where it's like every, it feels like for the last 5 years everybody's been like open world games are too big they put in too many mediocre things that you don't that no one wants to do right. and like we should we should hone things in on on what's actually fun and i think this is one instance where like the excessive you know like mediocrity of quests and things like that actually works in its favor because it does build out this massive universe and you you end up focusing on the things that you find fun and that that it like all of it just fleshes out not only the universe that you're in but like your character's personal life i I feel like i'm role-playing more in this game than i do in any other role-playing game whoa okay there's uh, but that idea of it's okay to have mediocre quests if they're just spread over an entire galaxy. Like, well, it's I I, I should say like because I'm I'm not talking about like I think there are a lot of actually really good and really interesting side quests and like the just the sheer variety of things that I've done and the fact that they're all you know like they're all interesting like it's good narration the characters are actually way more interesting than than like we usually refer to them as like quest dispensers but like. I have I have met so many interesting weirdo NPCs that I instantly get involved in whatever, you know, like philosophical debate they're having with like some computer. Like I I did I I feel like the stream that I did last week was like the perfect example because I I just went from like one strange side quest to the next. Like I I ended up on a starship where I was I was like being held at gunpoint and being told that I have to turn off this sentient AI. And so then I interviewed like the AI to decide what to do. And because I was a, like a Ryujin, you know, I worked for Ryujin Corp because previously I had randomly just like filled out an application and then did an entire interview process to end up as a Ryujin Corp member. But like the people who were holding me hostage were also Ryujin Corp. So I was able to just like, talk my way out of it and say like, Hey, just go back to the main, you know, headquarters. You don't want to all do the paperwork. Don't worry about it. And it's, and like instantly from there, I was on neon working in a fishery where I also applied for a job and was like 
having to, you know, like manufacture this drug on like a work shift. And all of that was just in order to like meet a contact there to get illicit drugs for this other person. And it's just like one thing after another of of these interesting, interesting, weird scenarios with you know, choices that were interesting that I got to make. And it's, and, and I feel like my character has more of a history from that than, than most role-playing games. And then, and then there's all the random stuff on top of it. That's the more mediocre stuff where it's like, yeah, I could go, you know, infiltrate the thousandth, you know, random science outpost on this massive world. And like, and sometimes I do that anyway, because I like, I like the loot and I like the shooting and, you know, it helps kind of just flesh out the activities. Like it's, it's one game where all of the, all of the icons on the map, I don't actually mind. And I'm, hmm. I'm drawn <laughs> to them more than, than the average open world game. What map? <laughs> uh, uh, great, great point. Yes. Uh, Neon is totally where it clicked for me too. The, the, the quantity serving this game. Well, I happened to pick Neon Street Rat as a starting trait because mm. I like having like a backstory, a planet I came from. It's like whenever I come upon that, that'll be cool to go. This is my planet. And it happens to be like one of my favorite planets. And it's so dense. You're I'm just walking around exploring and every single store keeper there has a name and people they know and enemies and things they want and it's all interlocking and you can get so much of it and you're always you always have like another thing to do at the place Mm -hmm. you're at if you're looking out for it and the added depth of like my character knowing the history of the place and having all these neon street rat dialogue options about like oh yeah the president hates that you do this so you know like interesting character backstory stuff that feeds into this already interesting interlocking side quest stuff it's like not every side quest is super interesting but the fact that there's so much of it really makes the world lived in and it's not it and it's it's sometimes interesting it's never bad i feel like the writing has been Mm -hmm. totally serviceable across the board there's been like no no groaners nothing i felt like was a waste of my time of the narrative stuff yeah yeah with the with the role-playing thing i maybe should just remind myself of like the path that I chose more often. Cause it's like, all right, the main quest, it's bringing me to Venus and like, Oh, we have to get through these people who worship the great serpents. I don't know how we can get through these, this blockade around the planet or whatever the hell. And then it's like, Oh no, I, I also worship the great serpent and now I'll broadcast the oath into the space. And I was like, I, I worship the great Sir. I completely forgot about this, but sure. Take <laughs> it away game. So I'm still trying to like settle into what is my role? How did I, choose my path here because it's still ambiguous well, i was a minor obviously for everybody but then before that i don't really have a sense of like who i was what's happening here yeah hansen your role playing is every moon you go to you butcher everyone with your right. axe that's right, right, right. that's the level of like dynamic role playing that everyone kind of does in this yeah. game yeah i try to do it in every D session i play too i just try to get to the nearest moon with an axe but i'm sure that gets very well. old for your dungeon master they really hate it i, yeah. I try to yeah. jump to the moon <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean I fail? I on the role playing front, I I really like the trait system and the the options you have for role playing are yeah. very Bethesda. It's not as broad as like a Baldur's Gate or a deeper RPG, but it is like within the confines of the game. I think you can do some interesting stuff. Some I kind of made myself a character who contains multitudes, 
because I have like a bonus when I'm by myself, but I'm an empath. So what other people think really matters to me, which that was the one thing I disagreed with from the last conversation was Janet said empath didn't add much. I think I recommend empath to anybody starting this game or who's interested in persuasion because you before like an important conversation say with a character's family member you talk to that character who's your companion about it here's what i'm going to try to do i'm worried about you I'm, i know this is coming up for you in this conversation you can pick these dialogue options that are like i'm trying to care for this person if you do it right you get the bonus of empath and that gives you like bonus persuasion chance so then you go into the next dialogue with a better chance of persuading and so it's it's like adding this whole new mechanic on top of things. And I'm sure a lot of different traits do that. It's like something to give your playthrough kind of its own unique flavor. And I think it really works for that. And it helps that I like persuasion in this game. I think it gets a bad rap. I think it's a really interesting system. I do. I do too. It's I, I have kind of figured it out a little more. And in the, even, even now it, it's a, there's like a layer of confusion on top of it that I think is there on purpose. But it, when you look at it, it just seems like, oh, okay, well, the green ones are the, you have the highest percentage chance of doing. And, you know, it, it's basically just color coded for how, how hard it is. But like, sometimes if you've talked to them and you understand the conversation and you understand the character, like those harder ones are actually easier because it's going with their mindset. Mm. And when you do pick one out and you look at it and you're like, no, nah, I, I don't think he's going to fall. Like, like if, if I tell him, Hey, it's okay. You know, I'm just trying to help you or whatever. Like he's not going to respond to that. He's going to think that's BS. But if I choose this harder one, like the logic makes sense for his argument. And when you choose that and it works, like it feels really good. I'm not totally sure they do make the decision based on the character's internal logic from from what i've read about it i think it is actually mostly just random i mean with a percentage chance based on what is my is my whole life a lie now <laughs> <laughs> i thought the exact same thing you thought until i read some random reddit post about it but now i'm not so sure but i think it is it's like some people want it to be just i have this persuasion skill so i should win this or it should just say the chance percentage chance and i shouldn't have to go through this but i think the simple gamification that it does, which for anybody who hasn't played it, is just a series of choices that are low risk, high risk to get across a certain threshold of persuading them across maybe two to five dialogue options. I think it, it just adds that little bit of you are making the decision based on risk reward and you're either being too risky or you're playing it just right. And you either way, you can feel really accomplished. Plus the way like with empath or with consumables or people liking you other ways, you can impact that system or having like special options because of traits you have those pop up all the time. I think it adds that little bit of feeling like you did it feeling like you did the smart thing to overcome this. And honestly, I capped my persuasion at level two and I'm not going any higher because I like failing it. (laughs) Interesting. It's never, it's never like now this guy shoots you. It's like, Oh, now I have to do this extra thing for this mission. Like I have to do this dangerous thing while I'm sneaking in somewhere because I failed this persuasion thing. It's like, it creates interesting outcomes. And I would hate if it was just, Oh, I have this skill. So I never have to worry about persuading anybody ever again. I automatically went. I like this. 
system better. I think it's it's funny that it came out right after Baldur's Gate, which has a very like different system for persuading and also intimidation, all those other things, because you vis- it's visualized on the screen, like fail or pass. Plus, you get like bonuses or whatever. But this feels like a conversation. Like, I agree with you, Leo. It's like, I don't want to know the percentage. I just want to feel like in my head, if I if I say to this dude, step aside, I just beat all your other buddies. You really want to challenge me too? like. Will he think I'm tough? I don't know. Let's try. Like, that's just kind of how it's built. And I think if it was visualized with numbers and stuff, it would take away from that that feeling. Yeah, totally. It is. It's a very Bethesda way to do it, of having it be behind the scenes and kind of imagine. But I think it is that that sweet spot where it does feel it fits into the role playing. Yeah. What do you think about the game, Haley? I don't love it, but I don't hate it either by any means. Yeah. So I'm very intrigued to hear like people who love it and are like, I, I just think I like when games come out like this where everyone's divided, but like, obviously not when people get like super angry <laughs> for takes and stuff. Don't, don't hurt. Wrong. But, uh, but I just think it's cool when a game can like, some people are like, yeah, it's my game of the year. Easy. No problem. And other people are like, I don't get it. What, what am I looking for? I don't understand because then I think conversations get so much more fun. And that's when like, you really understand what people's tastes in games are. Cause if everyone loves everything, then I'm just like, cool, that was fun. But I want to know like why some people don't like it and why some people like it. Um, I love Bethesda games. I'm like a big Bethesda girly, but I was nervous for this one because I don't like space. Like I've never been into space. Don't like space. I don't like space. So like, don't look up. Yeah. You're out at night and you just (laughs) stare at your feet and shuffle around. (laughs) I don't know. Like I think about space games, like I should love mass effect. I yeah. should love Mass Effect and right. I just can't get through like I oh I've played the first five hours of Mass Effect like five times and I don't know why I just can't I just don't like space what and it, I wish I did hang on okay let's create the on-ramp for loving space and sci-fi hey Star Wars Haley Me- medium Star Wars Me- okay. I appreciate Star okay. Wars it's okay. good storytelling okay what it's about in space sure uh this is the one downside of star wars is it is in <laughs> fact in space uh star trek 2009 who can dislike that film i've never watched a single episode or anything of star trek oh well, that's a movie the you can jump in movie is a good place to start it's fun okay, maybe i'll start there okay um jeff what else you got make her love space make her love space um alien yeah i do like alien i like the movie alien and i beat alien isolation that's like one of the only space games i've beaten but i think it's because i quite literally get chased to the ending i'm like ah (laughs) move it uh carl sagan youtube clips uh what what else we got we're running low yeah he's pretty cool all right uh so yeah but but that's that's just I, I think that's a perfect example of you, if you love Bethesda games, great going into it. But if that setting we talked about this in the in the last episode, if the setting's not working for you. Yeah. Like you have to want to be in this world, I think, for it to really click. And yeah, so, yeah I, I, I'm such a dork for the small things just like on the solar system maps, having like the gravity wells for like the suns and the planets. You see like their imprint on gravity. That's so cool. Or just like the small little touches of just re-navigating the ui which this ui is going to be overhauled a year and a half from now right look it's the worst i I, hate the ui (laughs) 
I, I there's already mods for it, and I think what the overhaul is going to be is the like in-game mod support that they've brought to previous games. Yeah, and you're just going to yeah. be able to install Star UI from the menu. And just, but I just I love just navigating the menu, not the practicality of it, but I love just like the subtle sound of just kind of like old computers churning, just like that oh, little I click. That. You know what I mean? Where it just sounds like an old modem yeah. or something. It's like oh, that's such a cool touch. The buzz of the like CRT TV. Right. Like, that's right. very very quiet in the back it's like i just like put my cursor over things to like hear the sound over yeah and i hope like the art director or the art team does like a gdc talk next year or something because like it's it's so wild to have a game about space and as far as i can tell the game does not contain the color black like even like you think space it's black it's like there's not really black in the game everything's just always kind of like a dark blue hue for everything around Mm -hmm. the world and it lends to like such a unique look i get people who think that kind of the nasa punk design is boring compared to more extravagant sci-fi but i've never seen it blown out in this way and i I love the big chunky weird quote-unquote practical spaceships you see flying around i think they're more interesting than just something sleek and sexy you know totally it almost feels like firefly or something that level of sci-fi of Mm -hmm. like we barely have space travel yeah Uh, Haley, I really want to dive in. I saw, I forget if it was in the Minimax Discord, you were talking about a certain experience you had with this game. Yeah, I had a tough start with this game. What happened? <laughs> this has never happened to me before, ever, in my whole life of playing games. But So I started playing it, and I played it for like three hours, and then I was like, oh my god, I feel so gross. Like, I feel really sick. And I went and la- it kind of ruined like my <laughs> weekend little bit Whoa. i went and laid down and i was just like oh my god like i feel like i'm gonna throw up like it's and it and my partner and i had the same thing for breakfast so i was like it's not food because he was totally fine and i was like is it starfield is starfield making me want a girl <laughs> and so i so i like calmed down and i like my stomach got like semi okay and then i came back out i was like i need to play starfield like i want to i want to play this i'm excited i want to play it and i sat down and i started playing for five more minutes and i had to go run and throw up <laughs> it's literally vomit came projecting out of your mouth after playing Starfield. My entire, like my partner made really nice (laughs) breakfast and he was like, my breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) That was rude of you. Uh, Do you get nauseated a lot from games? Is this a big thing? What's that? Do you get nauseous a lot from games? Never. I have a a PSVR I play. I've never gotten sick from it. I wear glasses and like I can have my glasses off, glasses on playing anything. And this made me feel so sick that I quite literally throw up and I came out of the bathroom and my partner was like, because he was talking that I just threw up. And I was like, oh, my God, Starfield made me throw up. And we just burst out <laughs> laughing because it's the funniest take. Because everyone, that was like the day where the internet was getting very, like, like spicy about, like, you know, Starfield takes. I was like, should I tweet? This game makes me throw up. Not joking. <laughs> Here's a picture <laughs> like, of it. The breakfast was good, by the way. I, it's weird uh, because I get, I get sick from uh, games really easily. And this one... Oh, I, I can feel it in me. I'm not full, like, uh, cold sweats level. But the thing that blows my mind about Starfield is like, okay, well, I booted it up. I know it's in first person. You know, we'll get to that. But I was like, I want to play it first person, so I know I need to get rid of this head bob because that's the first thing I have to turn oh. off. Uh, like, no option to turn off the head bob. Like, no. you go to, like, the accessibility mm-hmm. menu in Starfield. There are, like, four options, and all of us like, what? This is all you have? Like, you think there'd be something. Like, my favorite is Resident Evil 4, the remake. There's just a big toggle that's like, turn this on if you get uh, nauseated easily. And you do that, and it makes a bunch of adjustments to, like, the field of view, puts a reticle on there, gets rid of the bob. Like, it's wild that in 2023, especially for Microsoft, who's made a pretty big push towards accessibility, like, to not have more options in a game that's big. Um, and yeah. so, like, yeah, I try playing third person, but 
I don't know. It just feels janky and weird to play this game in third person. I don't like third yeah. Person. I de- so I downloaded I, a FOV mod. Yeah. So now my my FOV is a hundred and not seventy five or eighty, depending on your view. And I also completely turned off motion blur. Do that, by the way. Oh, Turn off okay. motion blur and film in grain everything. is off too. And everything. And it it stopped it. So that's I can play it now and not and not hurl my guts if you do those three things, I suppose. <laughs> but again, yeah, that should be a talk. Like, why do I have to go research on Reddit? Other people yeah. who's like, who's barfed? Oh, you? What'd you do? Like, I, that's not how I want to play. I want there to be a toggle. It's like barf off and I just get to keep playing. But I was actually in a, in a pre-take world with with third person perspective. I was like, I guess it's bare minimum for 2023. But it's crazy jump for Bethesda that now like third person seems like a real way to play the game. I think the animations look good and stuff. The, I love that like that we have all internalized that of like well yeah compared to compared to the broken third person views that they've had in previous Bethesda games like this is really good you know <laughs> yeah. really good. Yeah. Bethesda good. Yeah, yeah, it's still like they they run so fast. It always makes me laugh. Like when you see yourself running through the spaceship in third person, it's like I'm running at like 30 miles an hour around my ship, but I think you just have to do it. The perspective just looks a little bit wonky. I don't think I could ever play a Bethesda game not in first person, though. Like yeah. It's too ingrained in my mind to be like, if I'm playing Bethesda, I'm in first person. Yeah. Yeah, a, a yeah. surprising, when I've been streaming it, a surprising amount of people have asked to see like the third person mode. Hmm. And I, I don't know if they would prefer me to play that way, but I always like unconsciously after about 30 seconds of doing it, I switch back to first person when, whenever you need to, whenever there's combat or whenever I need to interact with something or try and steal something, hmm. you know, it's instantly back into first yeah. person mode. So Jeff, I'm in your mind. Is it worth it? Is the scope of this game worth the, the flattening of Bethesda's, Bethesda's specialties? You know, it's the, it's the classic problem of like, well, space is big. What are you going to do? You want to make a Skyrim in space? There's going to be a penalty. And that penalty is, a lot of jumping between little regions technically, but is, is it worth I mean, it just if, to have the vibe? If you consider that Bethesda's specialty, then yes, I guess um, it's, I, I would still consider it worth it. Like for me, all the things that I love about Bethesda games are here. I guess there's not the walk in a direction and you'll find something interesting, <laughs> right? You, Seems you, important. you do yeah. have to, you do have to jump all over for it, but I will happily take that because every, like, I still feel like I've only gone to like six planets and there, and there's so much on every like main planet and, and just find, you know, going to a new city. I, I went to Aquila city for the first time last night and it's like, Oh, okay. It's a Western town. And and now I'm learning about all the different factions and the share essentially the sheriff there and the the founder who you know created the entire place and and now I have just this huge influx of all these different side quests that I can do now in this place and I still haven't done the one that I actually went there to do and it's like that that is like classic Bethesda the ability to to hook me with a new character that just has some interesting quirk or you know like some philosophical thing that's going on with them that I have to make the decision on and, and just the feeling of, of me playing it differently than I normally would. I'm usually such a goody two shoes in all, you know, all open world games or whatever. And here, like I've made decisions like, like there, there was, there's a very long, there's a very long side quest on Sidoni on Mars 
where you're you're trying to get the this mining equipment back. And at the very end of it, like you go through so many through so many steps, and at the end, you find out that one of the employees has stolen it, and they landed off, you know, out in the Martian desert, and like. And so I, I found, I, you know, like I cornered him in the bar and he was like, okay, I'll, you, you got me, I'll take you out there and you, and I'll, I'll give you all the mining equipment back. And then there's just this slow walk with you and this guy out into the desert. And, and like, I had my shotgun out pointed at him the entire time because it's, it's like, eventually he's going to try and, you know, like betray me. And, and so like, and he's wa- he's talking the entire time, you know, about how much he hates all the people that he works with and everything. And I'm just waiting for that moment. And we get out there and he turns around and he's like, actually, I can't, I can't let you live through this. And then, the, and then I did the persuade, you know, skills and I, <laughs> and I walked him through it and I got to it and it, it was like, I basically couldn't lose the persuasion here. I'm thinking that it's because I've, I like understand the character and I'm picking all the right things. Apparently it was random anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but like I got to the end and it was like, I'm totally going to talk him out of it. And I sat there for a second and I was like, no, I'm like, I'm going to blow this on purpose. And I, I blew the conversation. And then he was like, that's it. I can't let you live. And I, I like pulled out my shotgun so fast and I shot him and he, and like, it, it's one of the, it's like the double, you know, like the break action kind of shotgun where you reload it in the middle. And like, I, I absolutely love this this gun and like I shot him and I was reloading before his body hit the ground and it felt like such a like quick draw western moment and and just like like I would never make that choice in a in a different game but I feel like I am living this character so much more and like just the the weirdness of the world and like how rough it is has like all affected the way that I have played this character and that's something that I don't get out of most open world games because because most games it's like the morality is kind of baked into it in a way that Bethesda is just not interested in like mm. uh, aside from the companions who are always right. like haranguing you for everything that you yeah. do but it's like in this one if you want to murder a bunch of people you can like people are actually murderable which is not usually the case in in most games but but then it's like the consequences for it don't overcome your role playing in the game that I, which is something that I don't get from, from most role playing games. Mm. I I don't know what it is. You seem skeptical, Hanson. Oh no. I mean the idea of, you know, I guess Bethesda games, you could always kill people. Right. And it seems like fallout four, not children is the one where they started keeping some people sacred and stuff. Um, and I, and I think of like just outer worlds. I know a lot of people are comparing this to outer worlds again and be like, this is what we wanted ultimately. And I think outer worlds, you can still kill everybody, right? No, I, I think in all these games we're talking about, there are lots of main characters that just go unconscious if you okay. kill them. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, then I'm not skeptical at all. And I smile and nodded uh, retroactively. <laughs> I agree, though. I, I normally play such a goody two-shoes, and in this one, it's like the pirating just seems too fun to turn myself off of like that whole part of the game. The taking out a ship's engines to then dock with them to then fight them on their ship there's something so cool to me that got me interested in this game from the like first big showcase they had of it of like anywhere in space you meet a random ship and then you can dock with them and turn it into like this bespoke little combat area in the middle of space there's something so cool about that to me and i i agree it's it's got me going like how do i build my character so it's canon for me to do some nasty crap mm-hmm. once in a while <laughs> <laughs> because it seems fun 
Do you guys think it's the best Bethesda game now? Oh, whoa, whoa. Is Jesus. it better than Skyrim? I was never super red hot on Skyrim. No. But I ended up playing it a lot over the years with mods. This is probably the most I've liked a v- vanilla Bethesda game since Oblivion, which I had a huge love affair with in high school, and it's hard to compare yeah. and liking anything to the way I like things in high school, you know? What about what about where Fallout 76 left off, which I know you were enjoying a lot after the years of its release? Oh, I like Fallout 76 better. I still Whoa. see it in my Steam library. I'm like, maybe I should just play that, <laughs> but I should play Starfield <laughs> if I'm going to play something. It's hard to say because... I am the opposite of Haley of you, Haley, where I love space so much that it's like it's hard to divorce that. Man, I don't know. And and I have those same feelings of like Morrowind and which I which I tried to go back and play through through like, you know, backwards compatibility. And I, I, I made a character in Morrowind. And then as soon as I started playing, it gave me a dirty disc error and like crashed me out of it and it's like there's no disc what <laughs> what could this possibly be it's yeah i uh, i'll say it's my favorite right now but you know yeah. i'm also in the middle of the love affair so i like how defeated you are almost like chapters in your life is kind of what mm. they feel like to me in a weird way mm-hmm. like i remember skyrim coming out when i was i think i was in grade it's 2011 so i was in grade 12 and I remember loving it so much. <laughs> it was, I remember having the distinct thought of like, I, that's when I first started dating. Like it was the first time I ever had a boyfriend. And I was like, how am I going to balance Skyrim, a boyfriend and school? This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just not how I think anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I think if I went back to Skyrim, I'd be like, okay, this is cute. I remember loving this, but it just like wouldn't hit the same. But that's just mm-hmm. kind of Bethesda. Yeah. Sky- and, I, yeah. and like a lot of other studios don't really hit the same in that way with their releases where it's like this, this is the Skyrim chapter of your life. And right. then, oh, right. now it's the fallout like three chapter. Now, you know, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's a, yeah. I, landmarks. We'll, we'll see if this uh, becomes one. It's yeah. Possible yeah. I think it will for a lot of people, maybe not us necessarily, but like, you know, if this was your first Bethesda game and you're, 17 years old you find it on game pass like pfft. yeah i mean i think it'd be huge yeah 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 i i was i was definitely going into it feeling like my love affair with bethesda was kind of over because fallout 4 was kind of the tipping point and i, I think i mentioned before i felt like it was going to be another borderlands situation where it's like maybe i'm just kind of over this like there are so many more open world games nowadays you know it's it's that have like gone beyond the the Bethesda format for it. And like at this point, I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, no, like Bethesda can be really proud of this. I think this is some mm. of their best work for sure. It is wild that after we recorded the podcast two weeks ago, I was like, we we didn't talk about Jank. I mean, the number one thing that it feels like everyone was mm-hmm. worried about is like, all right, these bugs, uh, all right, Bethesda, let's see how buggy does it launch. And the fact that it's like, eh, there's some stuff here and there, but the fact that they took this thing and polished it to the state that it's at, like it, it's remarkable how yeah. unremarkable it is. You know, I think we were all me, me included. Though. What's that, Haley? What's that? The, the NPCs are terrifying. Like oh, no walking doubt. up to anybody on the street, <laughs> I'm like, they don't look like humans, and I run away. <laughs> I hate them. No one's humans in space. That's true. I, I going into this uh, when there was that whatever interview where they were like yeah it's going to be on the creation engine still i right. think a lot of us me included were like well that's the seal of death 
But playing this pre-release, I was hoping it would shut people up about like, me included again, about thinking we know enough about game engines to have those conversations. Right, right. Because it is like, it, it's unrecognizable that this is the creation engine to, to me. I think there's yeah. little things about it and probably like... The reason there's so many loading screens is because it's fit into restrictions of the creation engine. Here I go again, trying to act like I can know what I'm talking about here. But I, I, it's like more than I expected out of the quote unquote same engine for sure. It definitely will inform my conversations I have about that going forward. And and, and people have been talking about it like the the potato video of someone yes. who put twenty thousand potatoes in in their ship. There there is some like low key really impressive stuff that people don't give enough credit to where like I was playing last night and I, I was in, I was in the, in the bank on Aquila city and I had diffused everything, but there were, there were a couple uh like cred sticks just sitting on a, on a counter somewhere in, in front of this guy. And you can't do the bucket trick anymore, which is, which is very sad that that doesn't work anymore. But like I went to a room, I picked up a broom and then I came back and I sweeped them off of of the counter and then I sweeped them all the way down the hallway in order to get them out of the guy's sight. And then I picked them up and it's like no other game puts that much work into the physics where you can like actually use a broom. You just like pick it up and you can turn you can rotate anything in any angle that you want and yeah. and it's like and they don't even explain those controls like i knew them because they're in every bethesda game but it's like i have come across so many forum posts that are like and i couldn't i even i didn't know that you could switch the axes that you're working on by pressing the left thumbstick for that and it's like no other no other game puts that much effort in and the fact that it works that that it like dynamically works in the way that you're stealing stuff and like you need to, to get stuff out of the views of characters is like so cool and it it adds an element especially if you go around trying to steal everything like I do but it's but it's one of those moments where I was like yeah this is really cool this is this is a a satisfying interaction you know that's on the level of like of games where it's normally like it's some weird indie game where physics is the entire point, you know, like a Gary's mod or something like that. And I'm having that kind of fun in the the biggest open world RPG of, of the year. I mean, Tears of the Kingdom is so hello, but different, but still, you know, emphasis yeah. on whack. I mean, physics. yeah, it does say hello. That's, 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 that's the point of that. Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, Are you going to say hello back or yeah, what the hell is waiting there, man? It's kind of right. Tears of the Kingdom. I, I say hello, and then Tears of the Kingdom says, when are you going to finish me, Jeff? Um, the ending's incredible. <laughs> you missed your window, dude. You'll never finish Tears of the Kingdom now. How dare you? Do you think you will? Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> on, the, it's, it's on the list for the end of the year. Great. Right after I got it. I got it, right? Yeah. You truly sure. need the to. Thing, okay, the thing is, I can go back and I can finish it any time because I have gotten far enough Right. That I can just run right into that castle. The reason I didn't was because I wanted to do the side quest stuff, but I don't actually want to do the side quest stuff is the problem with that game. Be because it, it's like, I know that once I beat it, I'm never going to want to go back and collect 10 bugs for the bug guy or whatever. But but in the time that I was it. playing it, it was like, in the time that I was playing it, though, it was like, oh, you know, like, I want to keep living in this world and there's so much of this other stuff that I want to do. And I feel like Star Starfield is the complete opposite where it's like, I can't stop doing the side quest stuff because it's so interesting. Sure. And and maybe I'll get to the, 
main quest stuff and then there's new gate new show plus that we gotta worry about and <laughs> all that stuff I'm so curious about what this new game plus I know, stuff is I know. because i don't know what it is so maybe this take is completely off off key and like doesn't make any sense to what it actually is doing but shouldn't we start games where they're fun if if new game plus is so fun and so amazing again i don't know maybe it's completely based on finishing the mainline story or whatever but mm-hmm. if whatever mechanic is hidden at the end of this shouldn't it be at the start if it's so awesome like See, why I, are we doing that it's kind of like remember that rick and morty episode the purge one where morty's like i think stories should start where they start and to do the like five years in the past jump forward thing is like the worst (laughs) way to tell stories because you're just like just start the story where it's the story starts like don't jump around like i don't know i also might learn what it is and be like oh never mind that's that doesn't make sense so i'm just curious what it is it's especially weird in a bethesda game and in a game of this type yeah no matter what it's like there's no precedent where you expect okay i'll beat it first and then there will be a new game plus like you don't even know that there will be and the game doesn't tell you at all it should it maybe should tell you that there's a mechanic later but then people would be like too inclined to rush through it but i will say backstage pass chat when we brought that up has been pretty much unanimous like you don't need to rush to it like oh that's nice okay yeah i didn't even want it to be a mechanic i want it to be like a perspective shift that's what i'm hoping for is that what it is i don't know i generally don't know but that's what i'm hoping for like i love even early on Maybe it's a little hokey, sure, but I appreciate it that, you know, like Mateo in the in the central area that he just immediately wants to talk about, you know, religion and religion versus science and space. It's like, OK, I love them diving into religion this early in the sci fi game. And so I'm hoping it's some sort of religious epiphany. That's just my low expectations for what the new game plus is. Oh, see, I want it to be like now your rocket booster pack does this crazy thing and i'm like whoa and then the gameplay hits so different or something that's what you i unlock think ultra hand is oh uh, <laughs> yeah exactly uh starfield everybody you tell us what you think of it was that all correct or no <laughs> <laughs> and if it was slightly off let us have it just rip us a new one in the comments please I think at the end of the day, the thing I take away the most is like, it's a questing game more than exploring game. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm more of an explorer Mm -hmm. girl. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Like, I just don't, I don't feel like it catches me as much if I can't just be running around, stomping around where I want to be. If I have to go through menus to get to the next place, I kind of get disengaged a bit and other people like that. And it's fun. So maybe like, that's what I keep thinking about is like, if you're a questing person, you might like this more than Skyrim. But if you're an explorer person, you might like Skyrim more. Yeah, yep, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of exploring, um, what's more fun, Jeff, than exploring with your mouth? That's right, everybody. Now, play with your food. The new game that's out oh. from publisher Panic and developer Terrifying Jellyfish. Sure. Um, Jeff, Jeff had panic in his eyes. Audio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeff, what is this game? It's a food toy game. That's the best way to put it. I don't know. Okay. Well, hey, the Crew Motorfest also came out. No, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, it's an. In, I think they they call it like an interactive experience. Um, it's it's a weird one. It's it gives you kind of you know twenty or so vignettes built around food. It kind of feels like a dreams game. Oh, interesting. Unquote, you know, like an like an interactive kind of thing they'll each one each one gives you a setting that's you know usually tied to some type of food like you might be in a diner or 
you know, it will be like a, you know, like a ramen, uh, you know, uh, like takeaway uh, little tray. I can't, I can't remember what they're called. Um, and then, but then, but then you can, you can press different buttons to drop in different types of food and then they'll, they give you some kind of different tools that you can then, you know, like you can take out a knife and you can chop things up, uh, and just, and then it, it gets weirder and weirder from there. Um, so it's like if Keita Takahashi from, you know, Ketamari Damacy made a dreams game that was all about little food vignettes. That's kind of the vibe of flavor. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, you know, I went into it interested and, you know, I'm always happy to check out some weird thing. And I, I think it's a little, it's a little too weird and a little too esoteric for its own good because oh. in, in most of this, in most of the situations, you know, I'd be I'd be excited to see what the new thing is, and then within like thirty seconds, I'm just dropping a big stack of whatever the food for that level is, and I don't know. Like, there's not really much else to do beyond that. Sure. And it's it seems like there's sometimes, it seems like there's hidden layers to it where it's like, okay, I was I was dropping you know pancakes or whatever, and then. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I was dropping them as fast as I could, but then that mate started making the screen flash and then it like things started, you know, like rotating and it got really trippy and like, and clear, clearly I did something to make that happen, but I don't know what that thing is. And I don't know, I don't even know how, how I would go about looking for something (laughs) like that in a different level. And so like, you've, you've kind of just lost me. And most of the time I'm just making a, a pile of hamburgers for 30 seconds and then going on to the next one. Oh, there we go. Uh, and it, it would, it would be nice. It would be nice if there was a little more to it. Like there, there's a Boba level, Boba T. Nice. Uh, and with that one, you're just kind of like shooting out Bobas and there's an arc to them. And then the, the controls that you have are kind of moving, moving the orientation of the, of the Boba cup. And, and so like, and so you realize once you start throwing them, you're you're basically just trying to move the cup around to catch the bobas in it. And for for a second, that felt like an actual little mini game activity where it's like, yeah. okay, I have something to do here, and that's interesting. And there's like maybe three of those that that add like a bit like a a little flourish of actual game in it that that you can actually. You you like have a direction for it right, that right. feels like okay I'll I'll try and do that but otherwise okay. it's 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 an interesting kind of artsy it's a cute weird thing artsy yeah now we're what if Boba led you out to the desert and then you had to persuade it and then you shot the Boba with a yeah shock. shoot a mm. flapjack right in the face that would have been yeah. That would have been way cooler. That sounds like gameplay. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking book of Boba. Uh, speaking of dreams, could we brought it up. Jeff, did you ever check out that update um, for dreams that has the new game called Tren, where it's all about toy trains? Mm-mm. I like that name for it. Tren. It's a really Tren. good name for it, but it feels kind of like the last big original hurrah uh, for dreams. Oh, that's sad. Like then. Media Molecule made it? Yes, Media Molecule made it. It's called Tren. Uh, and it's it's surprisingly cool. I, as a man who also loves dreams, Jeff, you should check out Tren uh, before you you put dreams to I sleep love that forever. Name. I don't know why. <laughs> hey, it's a good name. Uh, it is. Speaking of what about this? What about this oh. for Minmax? Minmax men who love dreams. I think that's pretty good. Just for like instead of games, friends getting better. Yeah, 
Yeah, we're dropping that. Okay. Yeah, I think that's Haley, you <laughs> cool with that for men who dream? Sure. Love dreams. Love, love I'm dreams. I'm either woman approving. <laughs> I, look, I didn't want to point fingers, game. but I need you to just give a thumbs up to us revamping everything for a men focused podcast. We, we might fair. sign the motto Haley McLean if that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, I dove into a game this week uh, that I've been excited about, and I feel like I'm on an island with how excited I am for this one uh, the Crew Motorfest. And Jeff, um, that island is beautiful Oahu in beautiful no, Hawaii. I'm sorry, I'm I'm watching trends going around. <laughs> it's now. freaking this is cool, incredible. Yeah, check it out. My kid's gonna freak when he sees this. Yes, I know. He's obsessed with trains. What are you doing? Don't listen to me talk about Crew Motorfest. Go trend now. <sighs> Uh, so anyways, the Crew Motorfest, everybody. This is, uh, I guess, the third game from Ubisoft in the Crew series. Um, a series that came out, remember the whole pitch originally was with the first one, like, you could drive across the entire United States. And I was like, okay, it's kind of like a weird... I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a weird, <laughs> abridged, confusing, uh, smaller version of the United States. And so the hook with the Crew Motorfest is they're definitely taking uh, pages of inspiration, just whole books of inspiration uh, from Forza Horizon, but... Forza Horizon is so freaking good. Have at it, I say. Um, and so it has a more of a party vibe for the Crew Motor Fest. But then, instead of trying to do the entire world, entire continent, all this stuff, they're just focusing on the island of Oahu that, like, Honolulu's on and a bunch of stuff, right? And so I didn't realize how one-to-one it was going to be. Um, but jumping into the game, it is bizarre to look at the world map. And it's like, oh, this is just the entire island. And, like, I was just – I spent – over a week on Oahu in January, so it felt very tailored to my interest because, like, oh, I'm going to recreate our trip in the Crew Motorfest and just what? drive around the island. Yeah, it was really super fun. I really loved it. Uh, where it's like, basically, I turned this game immediately into, like, the Assassin's Creed Discovery Tour, except treating it like a little Oahu Discovery Tour. Like, I'm just, I just want to go see the sites. I want to go see what's going on in, like, Hanuma Bay, which is, like, a great place for snorkeling. Like, how are they going to handle this? And it turns out they just put a bunch of roads over this beautiful <laughs> bay that's designed for snorkeling and stuff. So it's like, well, we'll figure it out later. Um, or, like, you know, there's uh, Anuahu is where they shot the scene in Jurassic Park with the Gallimimus running to the valley and jumping over the log and all that stuff. And they went on that tour when I was there. We have a whole video on our YouTube channel if you want to check it out, showing it off. But it's like, I want to see the Jurassic Park Valley from Ubisoft in the Crew Motorfest. So I immediately drove over there and tried to recreate Jurassic Park there. Uh, so it's, it's cool just doing that direct one-to-one comparison. And overall, I, I'm really enjoying the game part as well instead of just, look, they made Hawaii. Let me drive around on it. Uh, but the game itself, it's, it seems fun. Uh, I've enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. And not to Forza Horizon levels, there's a lot less to do in the open world. But as much as I love Forza Horizon, they are just adamant about giving something for you to do every three seconds of driving. Like, hey, here's a challenge. Here's something to pop over here. Drive through this side. Blah, 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 blah. And this is much more chill. It's much more focused on like, oh, you can explore the world. But by and large, you focus on these different playlists of like you can go for a... Uh, they have the whole scenic tour playlist for uh, this game, which is kind of cool where... They focus on, like, driving through different areas of Oahu, and then they have, like, a narrator who's doing a little bit of Discovery Tour type thing where they make it seem like, hey, I'm just some guy living on the island. Let me tell you about the history of Hawaii. Um, And it's cool they got a Hawaiian to do that. Um, The delivery is a little stiff. I hate to criticize it because I like the idea of it a lot. But a lot of the deliveries in this game, it's like, I don't know if it's... um, you know, byproduct of recording it during COVID or what, and everyone was kind of by themselves recording the VO, but it's a little, little rough overall. But the weirdest playlist is uh, there's a whole playlist that's 
all focused on donut media. Has anybody heard about donut media before? Leo, king of YouTube. No. Uh, no. It's it's some car influencers, and I looked them up. They have eight million subscribers, and so they have a wild partnership in this game where there's a whole playlist that they curated. And, you know, the narrator is trying to bring you into this playlist. Be like, Donut Media, they're the real deal. They're awesome. And then you jump in there and it's just like this live action YouTuber screaming at you. And they're trying to do really obnoxious, you know, obnoxious YouTube style edits. We all know what those are like. Where he's like, all right, listen up, you buff horses. (laughs) This is the wackiest thing. Uh, It is ungodly obnoxious. Then you do like these races and stuff. And he's like... You know, they have giant video screens and this live action YouTuber is screaming at you. Then you get away from those screens and then he's got a drone that he follows you with. So he continues to scream at you. But like, man, I am so pumped for this race you're in right now. And then he's just joke, 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 joke. And then there's like a moment where you're going over a beautiful view in Hawaii. And he goes, dang, man, what a viewpoint really makes you think. And then he just I would keeps just crash. I would just like <laughs> it's, into the ocean. It is unbelievable. So like, now you're making me think you're being sarcastic about how beautiful Hawaii is because you can't <laughs> just say really makes you think in the middle of screaming ten thousand absurd other jokes. Um, and so and you like this game? I do because this is just one playlist that you can do where you can have a YouTuber scream at okay. you. But like, it's it's bizarre to have a live action component integrated so much into this game. Where it's like. All right, I guess we're leaning into this one dude in a, in a big way. But uh, imagine what's like... What's your whip, Ben? What's that? What's your whip? What's your car? What's my whip? Is this a phrase yeah. people say? Yeah. Uh, Is that not a thing? Probably. I've just never heard it. Did I make that up? No, no. I appreciate it. Um, I don't know. Some Ford Mustang. Uh, I, I'm not really a car person at all. I just like racing Chevy games. Mayo. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll just take the default, sir. No questions asked. I'm, I'm fine here. Um, but I do like it just cause like, you know, it's got the vibes of Forza Horizon, but there's like a big old boost button. So it's a little more extreme in certain ways and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've been having a surprisingly good time with it and they do the full Forza Horizon thing of like showing you the line on the track and it's like, you know, the green arrows versus the orange and red to slow you, show you need to slow down around a turn and oh, stuff like, like that. that. So yeah, they've taken some really good lessons overall. Leo, could I get your verdict on something? Absolutely. Now, let me know if this is on the spectrum of this is Ubisoft being weird or this is me being weird. All right. On the on the full line here. So let me lay it all out for you. Uh, there is a playlist in this game called 9-11 Legacy. Oh, now, no. hear me out. Hear me out. But again, put it on the spectrum. It's all about the Porsche 9-11, right? No. Okay. Have, the playlist called 9-11 Legacy... The game was released on 9-11. But here's... Ubisoft thinks they can do anything just because they're French. It's like, you know what's going on in the world. Okay, but hear me out. The playlist for 9-11 Legacy starts... The first place to go to launch it is in Pearl Harbor. Oh, boy. So is that me just weirded out by this stuff? Or is that Ubisoft being weird with these choices? That's weird. They should have enough employees that one would catch that. Okay, okay. Or just one employee with a calendar, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, but the Crew Motorfest, it's on, uh, if you're playing on PC, it's on the Epic Game Store, so it's not going to be on Steam and stuff. But I've, I've been enjoying it. I'm going to keep playing it. I do have that moment every time I boot it up where I'm like, I could be playing Starfield. It's like, you know what? I'd rather be playing Crew Motorfest, I think. It's much 
easier, simpler popcorn fun uh, that I'm having with Starfield at least right now. But I don't know. An extreme sports game with an annoying sense of humor? That's pretty cringe. I wouldn't <laughs> like that in public if I were you. <laughs> uh, it's weird because you love Ubisoft games. You weren't Gaga over Forza Horizon, but you love Riders Republic. Do you think there's any world where you could get into a game like Crew Motorfest? No, yeah. it makes all the difference for me. The, you know, the lack of cars. <laughs> Being yeah. on a bike is just much more a fantasy of mine. Downhill biking. It's, it's, stuff like that is like a lot more thrilling to me than, I don't know. I drive in real life and I drive exactly like the game. So what's it, what would I even do? Yeah, exactly. What if I told you there's boats in it though? I'm listening. All right. There so we like go. Cars, are you trying the... to get him to kill this game for you? <laughs> yes, you please. <laughs> Boats are like cars, but the road is really, really big. That's right. Uh, Haley, can we change lanes? You guys? Um, nice. I want to hear about Goodbye Volcano High. This was the yeah. game that it's been a couple like state of plays. Um, and it looked like a sensitive story about growing up, but it's a bunch of dinosaurs in school. Yeah. Um, it is cool. And, and I want to make fun of it, but then the whispers I hear is that, no, it's actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> the writing's quite good. Yeah, okay. I, I really like it. It's by Co-op, who's um, a Montreal-based developer. Shout out Canada. Woo! Woo! Developer. Um, so I played a demo at GDC. I, I don't. This has been on my like view for a while. I'm trying to think of how long ago I first heard about this game, but I just like the art style i think it's very polished looking and clean the voice actors do a good job the writing's good and that's good because that's like 95 percent of this game like it's you're just you're just going through making choices um talking with your friends going to school and then there's a couple portions where it's like rhythm based you're playing your guitar and it's like a rhythm based game a little oh, bit weird. but like to the same degree as like night in the woods or something like it's not crazy okay. it's just like press the Press, there's two forms to it like so i'm on pc so it's like my right hand's on the arrows and my left's on wasd and then you have to like control those two things so you're kind of like looking around the screen to make sure you catch everything so it's not crazy hard um i did turn on i found that it was like off when i was trying to when i press it and i knew it was right on it was off so they had a setting that was like easy mode for that and i turned it on and that it made more sense to when i was hitting it huh. maybe i'm just playing this game on easy mode now it's a visual <laughs> novel <laughs> mode which feels stupid but yeah i'm really enjoying it i'm not done it yet but i i really like the premise of um like high school is ending it feels like the end of the world so that's like the whole premise of this the reason they're dinosaurs is like a comet's coming oh perfect. to hit them potentially like that's the anxiety they're feeling the news is kind of like Oh, there's like the scientists have detected something in the atmosphere. It's kind of sketch. We've never seen anything this big before. And it's like they're as they're starting their senior year. So like as the year progresses, that's like how they illustrate that feeling. And I think that's a very cool story choice that like feels very interesting because like I I don't know. I'm like I feel anxiety of characters too easily sometimes to the point that like I can't really consume a lot of media because I have the empath trait. I have the empath (laughs) trait. And like they'll be on their phones and there's like a lot of social media integration. So you can like be on the phone with the characters and like scroll for them and look at things. And it's like, everyone's tweeting about like how scared they are. And I was like, like that would be really like, that's like how you feel when something scary is happening and you're on Twitter and everyone's like, so we're going to die soon. Hey, (laughs) funny. And you're like, is this funny? And you like, don't know how to feel about it. So they handle that really well. And don't you miss Twitter for a story. Every day. Every day. <laughs> Especially with also, the Starfield stuff. 
And there's also like this really cool mechanic I've been thinking about a lot that where like if you press pause, they show like this chart where you're in the center as the main character Fang and they have like it's almost like a solar system around and your friends are like planets orbiting around that little solar system. So if you get closer to them and you choose certain dialogue options, they'll like get closer, almost like a gravitational pull is pulling you in Hmm. to like be better friends. And I was like, that's like such a nice visualization for a mechanic with a, with an asteroid coming to hit you soon being like the premise of the story. And it just had me thinking a lot about like, Oh, games are cool. Like nothing else could do that where like the game mechanic is so perfectly integrated with like the gameplay and story. Like a book couldn't do that. A show couldn't do that. Or a movie. Like I just, I don't know. It's like, and it's such a minor thing. It's literally just a thing they have in the menu that you can like check to see if your friends like you or not. But I was like, Oh, I love this. This is such a nice game thing. And I feel like I really appreciated that for what it was. Sounds like we should keep it in mind for best thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, Put it on the list. Yeah. Potential best thing. Uh, And I'm checking that thing every, every time I talk to somebody, I'm like, did they like that? And I like open it up. I'm like, Oh, it hasn't moved. And I like (laughs) close it back. I do think it's a smart idea to add, add like this extra pressure and tension to, you know, a visual novel esque game. It it reminds me a little bit of, um, God of War Ragnarok of just in the beginning, just being like, well, Kratos is going to die at the end of this game. Play the game to find out if it happens. You know what I mean? And like the idea of this game starting and like a meteor is hurtling towards earth in this cute little game. Does it happen? Keep playing. Like it's, it's such a bold take. I don't know. It kind of feels like it's happening every few months now, but like that feeling of when the world's ending, like, you know, it's not though, Haley. It's okay. (laughs) It feels like there's always something they're like, we'll climate change. Like what, you know, like you're like, Oh, are we going to be able to have kids who live in a world that we'd like? Like the world is a horrible full of hurricanes. I don't know. And you kind of just have to ignore it because you're just living your life. Like this game's kind of about that weird feeling where you have to engage with those thoughts every day because of social media and like try to ignore them and just be yourself in high school. Like, I think that's a very cool premise. Do you, does anybody else ever have anxiety dreams about graduating high school? Like still? Not graduating, but just like being in high school, being like in just high school. being in the building. I, it's probably some death analogy because I feel like <laughs> I died once high school's over. I was like, "What's the point?" No, but I, I, I'd say once every two months, I have a very intense dream about like dreading graduating from high school. It's like, oh, it's all going to be over soon. Okay, here we go. And I, I'm supposed to make oh. this video about uh, my senior class, and I can't. I'm running out of time. Like it just happens all the time. It's really freaky. Did you peak in high school, Ben? Uh, no, no, I'm peeking That's right good. now, Haley. Uh, <laughs> goodbye, Volcano <laughs> High. Uh, that's cool. Uh, I'm curious to, to hear how it ends. Um, mm. Let's see. Uh, Wayfinder, Leo Vader. This is you. You're on deck, yes. kid. Um, this is a game that we talked about during the Summer Game Fest episode of the podcast months and months ago. Um, but this is the one that we're like, oh, I guess it's an MMO or it's online. Online action RPG is the best way to put it, I guess. It's it feels like an MMO. It's an MMO light. I, I, you you can tell by the combat that it's an MMO. You know, there's a okay. certain way of hitting enemies that only MMOs have because it feels so outdated. Like they react so little. But the stuff that is not MMO about it, I'm really digging. I don't know. There's cool twists to the combat and things like that. And the player housing, I guess, is an MMO thing. And Ooh. I'm enjoying that, too. But it's all a little light. I like what it is right now. Nobody has to rush to do it. It's like, it's going to be free to play. You have to buy the Founders Pack now to get in early. Mm, it had a super disastrous launch for weeks, and it's still pretty buggy. 
But uh, the pros of it, I I love a game where I'm carving my own path and I feel like I have my own playstyle. And this game's cool for that. You're not as worried so much about loot impacting your playstyle. It tweaks it in little ways, but it's kind of in the background compared to leveling up your character and leveling up your weapon. You get a weapon once and that's just your weapon. You're not finding different versions of it. You're getting the same one and you're leveling it up to be able to like buff it more and you can make interesting combinations and right now i have this uh brawler character who is my favorite when i played it early and i still love who has this mechanic where she's showboating you can do a quick punch or you can do a punch and hold it and she'll pump up the crowd before the follow-up punch which does more damage and you have like extra resilience while you're showboating so you can be like blocking attacks while you're doing it and that mechanic feels rich and it's normally combined with heavy weapons that's what you get by default this big axe you're swinging around but i was like i liked the gun from that i was using when i played this other character i have access to because i started with that character let's try this brawler plus a gun and then it's like oh it feels a little weird to have a gun on this character specifically why don't i just switch the skin on it to a crossbow and so it's the same mechanically but i'm like making my own version of it yeah and then combining those two things which have their own mechanics like by picking a gun you have this new thing to think about called eagle eye where the more shots you hit eventually you'll get a little pop-up of like a critical point on an enemy and if you shoot them right in that point then you get this uh, get to bank a special move you can do whenever that does extra damage and it's like combining different mechanics that each sound fun to you making your own unique play style based off of that And that's been really rich to me so far. And I can't say that a ton of those combinations are super fun. I haven't tried them. I can say I found one that's really cool for me. Yeah. And there are probably other cool ones in there. That's cool. Yeah, it's um, it's from Airship Syndicate, um, who is like some former uh, Vigil Games, Darksiders Talent. They made Darksiders Genesis, that uh, isometric game. Remember that? Remember when there was like that isometric Darksiders action RPG? Um, But then they also made Ruin King, that League of Legends RPG I don't care at all about League of Legends. That game was cooler than people gave credit for. Um, and then it, this is published by Digital Extremes, like the Warframe people and stuff. So they know they're, they're online gaming. Um, so rough launch, but feeling optimistic about once it fully comes out free to play and all that fun stuff? Yeah, I mean, obviously, since I'm playing it, it will be a flop and crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'll enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. But I, I think what's here is cool. It's a great just like podcast grinding game. Yeah. And and the way they handle the loot, like I talked about with not having to worry about getting a new different version of the same weapon and constantly being in the loot menu, buffing stuff up. It's like it's kind of more in the background in a way where it's simple to get your power number up. You don't have to worry about it. You can. But it's kind of a, a mind off uh, grinding game, which I do love because the dungeons are randomly generated. Okay. There's kind of roguey elements and you can put modifiers on the dungeons you're doing to introduce again more different mechanics playing on top of each other you know i'm a sucker for that the the explanation is like the world has been taken over by the gloom and when you're going into these dungeons they're like memories of the old world so they're kind of warped and they're different locations that maybe were slightly real but they're totally rearranged and i think that's just there's just like fun lore around why you're getting roguelike levels yeah uh wayfinder on playstation and, and pc if you're interested in old wayfinder or just wait until it goes free to play and see how it all goes right uh sweet leo thank you for playing wayfinder i thank thee for you having fun doing that 
You're welcome. Yeah, it's, I don't play a lot of MMOs, but it's like yeah. it's it's reaching me where I'm at. Huh. Uh, speaking of MMOs, Super Bomberman R2 ain't one. Um, Jeff, um, I was fascinated by when we threw that code out of like, hey, does anyone want to code for Super Bomberman R2? You jumped on it faster than the play well, with your food game. Let me tell you, uh, Leo was there when we did our most anticipated games for the rest of the year. <laughs> right. We, we, we did the list where we shoot games. Um, and Kyle didn't even bother to mention it. When the release date came up, I'd say, uh, excuse me, sir, you're missing one of the most anticipated games of the year. Super Bomberman R2, obviously. R2, Brute? Uh, yeah. I, I saw that in the epic clapbacks against Kyle Hilliard compilation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, the reason I was interested in it, there's only there was only one reason I was interested in it. Yeah. Um, and I only chose it during the anticipated thing because I didn't have many games, honestly, by that point in the list. To, <laughs> now to you're proclamated, dude. Uh, but the reason I was interested in it was because it has a it has a level editor, and it and they they were doing like the like an actual integration of it where you know people create levels and share them, and they would supposedly curate it so you could have all these different Bomberman levels. That's all I want. That sounds like a great. Yeah. addition to Bomberman. I I never understood w- with the old Bomberman games why they'd like would bless you with like eight levels that you could play <laughs> and and it's like this is the entire game. Just give us just give us a ton of different levels that you can play classic Bomberman in and I'll be happy. Uh <laughs> so I got it um and it turns out that the levels that you can create are only for the new castle mode. Yeah. In Bomberman. That's fine. Uh, which which basically it takes the core Bomberman formula and throws out everything that you like about it and turns <laughs> it into like this tower defense type of type of thing. Well, like, it's it's like, weird. Like I played it during the preview event and it's like 15v1. Um but we just played it at the event and it was just 3v1 and even that was too chaotic to comprehend because like one person's like on top of the castle trying to defend stuff and everyone else is trying to infiltrate to get in there um it was a fun idea in an abstract way but then actually playing it is like i don't really understand what's happening here yeah that that one person is not to like i played enough of it to kind of to kind of get it my first my first reaction was like you know the green yuck sticker guy when when i started playing it but but I played enough to like. It's really in the base building aspect of it, where where that mode is kind of is kind of built around. They give you a bunch of different objects and different. They call them gimmicks, but it's like you know you can you can put in cannons that shoot bombs and things. So you're trying to design you know an impregnable fortress that then you'll you're basically just once you play the actual match, you're mostly just watching the the enemies try and get through it um to the to the area that they have to get to but it's it has it's it's not anything that anyone wants from bomberman um, <laughs> well i think and uh, yeah and and that that's the only part that you can design levels for if you if you want to play classic bomberman you can they have a classic bomberman mode and you get like eight fucking levels for it <laughs> it's it's like it's it's the same thing and <laughs> And honestly, uh, they tried to do a story, and it's the most annoying thing that they had that on the last one too. It's it's brutal. It's, 
Uh, it's terrible. I don't I don't know why why they're still doing it. But like I messed around I messed around with the castle mode and I built one castle and it was it was the only castle I needed for like the three or four assaults that happened during the story mode because it's like it turns out the AI is not is not good in a in a Bomberman game. Uh and 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 so I just like built a little kill zone around where they spawn and I had I had some conveyor belts leading back into it so if they put down a bomb to try and blow up the blocks it would just kind of move back towards them and like that worked for like the first 3 matches against them <laughs> and and so a match is really it starts and you just have to sit there for two and a half minutes watching all of the AI characters die until uh, until it's time over and but Leo, it's, it feels a little bit like Meet Your Maker, so you can't say no to it. Yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, it's fair. Obviously, who who could ever design a Bomberman level on the on the on the level they do? It's just impossible. <laughs> but I, know, but right? I wanted to ask. It's built like it. It is the most easy drop. You know, like drag and drop tile system that yeah. you could possibly ask for <laughs> for a Bomberman right. level. And and they and and they decided, hey, let's create a level editor for our next game. And it's like the two two <laughs> ideas never never connected. Do do you think though that the castle mode it could be interesting? Like for people who are, don't hold Bomberman gameplay sacred, it might pull them in. Or do you kind of need to know the base gameplay and be into it to even be able to build off of it into this castle mode? Um, I you know. I think there could be a small Leo Vader like community Ooh. that could really get into it and have a lot of fun, like designing the levels. And if you're playing against actual other humans that could potentially be good at, at like figuring out your gimmicks, then that, that could be a fun thing. Part of it is definitely me and what I want from a Bomberman game. But I also don't feel like I'm in a super small niche of Bomberman players who just want core Bomberman gameplay that's that's bomber the problem. man it, it's the problem with Bomberman. <laughs> it's like if you know it you love it like i love playing Bomberman multiplayer i st- still think it's a blast and it's like what do you do with the Bomberman franchise it's not Bomberman act zero it's not this elaborate thing that they're you know konami's releasing and trying to sell for 50 dollars. it's like it, it's just give me core multiplayer Bomberman. Simple Bomberman with a lot of levels. Give it to me. I will pay five bucks to have that every generation. You know what I mean? But like, it's yeah. it's such a simple idea. Charging more than that seems insane. Yeah. I actually have it. I actually have the answer. Yeah, Bomberman.io. hundred players online web game, giant map. You're kind of meeting players and having little Bomberman battles in a battle royale format. Oh, I'm they, very interested because they did like a free to play version of the last Super Bomberman R that seemed like wasn't really great. But all right, Bomberman R. They do they do have a Bomberman 64 mode, which has nothing to do with Bomberman 64, strangely. But it, but it is it is a battle royale mode where they huh. have a bunch of maps that are interconnected, and they'll put you in a group with you know like four or five, and then once you you fight in there for a certain amount of time, and then once. Once that time is over, if people are still alive, there are like gates that you can then go into different, you know, coordinated, you know, like sectioned off areas and then fight in those. Um, and they eventually funnel everyone together. But that has one map. Okay. Um, okay. Right. So. Bomberman R2. Jeff says, run, don't walk. Uh, pick it up at your local GameStop. Um, <laughs> I assume you're never going to play it again, Jeff. 
No. Okay. Hey, I, Haley. I, okay. No. I, honestly, like the 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 fantasy you you kind of mentioned, but the, the like the fantasy Bomberman game for me would be hire someone who's really good at pixel art. You know, like one of the there's plenty of amazing pixel art artists out there. Hire one who's who can make like really good classic Bomberman with like really you know smooth animations. Yeah. And just make a two D one. Put in as many stupid power-ups as you can figure out how to do. And and then, yeah, just give a bunch of levels. And maybe do a level editor for the actual Bomberman arenas that we want to play. And, yeah. and then you have the perfect game. I would pay $40 for that. Who wouldn't? I got bad news for us. Um, the meteor has hit our high school, ladies and gentlemen. <gasps> we are now irrelevant and extinct because a Nintendo Direct has been announced for... The same day's podcast is releasing. Darn. We have truly failed as a species, and I'd like to apologize for this antiquated, now pointless existence of a podcast. No, wait, stop, hold up. We can do like generic takes that will apply no matter what. Looking it's coming back, you guys. Looking what? cute. Looking cute. Yeah, I'd like the length of it. I felt like it had a good pace. Yeah, the snaps sounded snappier. <laughs> hey totally. Haley, um, can you talk about Gumbrella? Yeah, I love Gumbrella. Sweet. Cool. Uh, yeah, we um, talked about wrote, it a little bit before I, on I the podcast. Credits. Whoa, nicely done. Yeah, this- I beat it. It's by Doinksoft. Um, so I didn't really know their games before this one. Um, Cato Roboto, I think, was their most well-known one. After right, that, right. It's like a black and white pixel game. Kind of looks Undertale-y mm-hmm. sort of vibes. I guess that's every black and white pixel game if you think about it. Um, but it's uh so they're actually a subsidiary of devolver i guess devolver purchased them at yeah. some point in the past um and uh punk noir is how they describe it so it's a side scroller pixel shooter game um and kind of the if you could just boil it down to one thing it's like you have a gunbrella <laughs> <It's> <laughs> smart it, it makes it fun to get around um the game starts with like your wife getting killed and then the the killer leaves behind the gumbrella so it's like this vengeance tale is like you use the murder of your your the murder of your wife's weapon to like find them again to okay. ki- kill them with the weapon that killed your wife i guess sure. is like the premise but the story is actually like really intriguing like i was quite surprised as i was like halfway through and i was like I want to know what what happens. I thought it was just kind of going to be like, this is fun. But then like, I got really invested in the story. Hence why I finished it. Before Whoa. It was fun. Yeah. Um, but it, it's really satisfying to get around. So like you jump and then if you use your umbrella, it gives you like a dash in any direction you want, which feels really good. And then you can kind of like peach parasol, Mary Poppins drift down um, afterwards. <laughs> so then you can like traverse the world in a really cool way. It's kind of celesty like that dash feature where you can like dash right. left and then like come down and dash again. Um, and then obviously like, it's just kind of like a shotgun brawler. So it's like fun to dash up land on someone's head and be like, and then go to the next person. Like, and then by the end of it, you're very, like you can get really good and it's very satisfying to like dash around, just be like shooting everybody and going and going crazy. But it's, it's very fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, the, the only thing I kind of wished it was like harder, if anything, which mm. is like a, a weird thing to say, but there was like a couple points in the game where they set up like a cool way to like have to try to get around. Like there was one where I had to dash up and then it was like a very, again, very Celeste where it was like spikes, like a, and I had to try to like umbrella, like not touch the spikes and drift down and like make sure I was avoiding everything. And I was like, oh, that was so fun. I can't wait for this to be the level where that keeps happening. But that only happened once the entire game. And I was like, ah, like I kind of wanted more of that. 
but you know there's still there's still a lot of different like ways that they play with that gameplay for you to be fighting different things and the the bosses are cool there was a couple bosses where i i felt like i cheesed it by mistake like i was just really close to the boss's head and shot him in the head a few times with my shotgun and then he died and i was like oh i kind of wanted like to see how his tentacles would hit me in a cool way or something <laughs> but okay that's fine that sounded weird by the way yeah, like, yeah, we've all been there uh, <laughs> yeah, how, how long do you think it took you to, to beat it it took six hours Steam okay said. perfect uh, yeah, not yeah. too long and there's side quest stuff that you can do i ended up doing like all the side quest stuff and it just gives you like better stats and like improves your character or whatever but this the side quest stuff is cool because it'll be like oh remember me like i have my own vengeance tale will you help me and you could just like go meet them where they need you or you could just be like nah and just like keep doing the main story <laughs> like i think that's cute to have that kind of stuff put, put in there yeah there you go side quest for you jeff and dive in um yeah gumbrella it, Probably one of the best feeling 2D games of the year. Seems like the the tone going into this thing. Feels good to play, yeah. Feels, yeah. And it's always just fun to have games like that. Like, I can see it being a very good Steam Deck game. Like, yeah. just, like, fiddle with it in bed and just, like, dash around and play through that, like, at your own pace. That's yeah. That's kind of what I envision it being. Yeah, it's on Steam and uh, Switch for, for Gunbrella right now. But sweet. I definitely am curious about jumping in. Maybe I can get it downloaded before I go on a good. trip here. Po- very polished and the art looked great. Sweet. Uh, what a tentacle experience you can fiddle with in bed. <laughs> Leo. Thank you, Leo. How could I have said any better? Truly, the podcast for men <laughs> has finalized. <laughs> uh, okay, this is this is an odd one. Um, during Party Chat, our bonus podcast earlier this week, um, we had a wonderful member of the community call in and they're like, uh, there's a game called Finity on Apple Arcade and I think it might be amazing. And it's like, oh, okay. And you know, he put it correctly where he's like, I feel like I need to scream about it because no one pays attention to these Apple Arcade releases. Um, and so I went and checked it out. And uh, yeah, Finity is an excellent, excellent game that I wish more Very people fun. were talking about now. Leo, did you get a chance to check it out? I did. Yeah, I played a good bit now. Sweet. And Haley, you checked it out after Party Chat? Yeah, I'm hard stuck silver. I cannot get past silver. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets tough. So Finity... My shorthand, just diving into the weeds, I think in the mechanics is, is a bit of a, a slog. But the idea is, imagine like threes or like 2048 meets like Bejeweled. So the so best way to put it. one side of a Rubik's Cube. Right, right. Oh. Sliding That's around kind of for match threes, but then there's a bunch of quirks. So like, okay, this is locked. After this amount of turns, this one isn't. You can turn this one into this type of thing. It's just perfect. Yeah, it, it's it's like a match three game, except it's a small enough grid with enough stakes where like every single choice you make about those match threes matters. Yeah. And it's pointless to try to get more in the weeds of how it plays besides that, because it's like would take forever to explain. But if you look at it, you'll get it immediately. Yeah, it's like I, <laughs> I uh, my wife uh, is an Android person. She's probably listening to me screaming about this right now. But this is exactly her cup of tea. It was one of those things where I was like playing in bed and I was like, hey, check this out. And it's like catnip immediately like yep i get it and i love it like that is what i want from a phone game hold it vertically strategic match three uh absolute perfection here uh, yeah and the, the 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 presentation is so good oh it's my intimidating god to start a puzzle game sometimes because it's like do i want to learn a new way of doing puzzles right now right but it starts so small and increases so gradually with just 
one sentence of here's how you do this and it tells you how to do it it tells you whether you did a good job and then it just lets you play after that for a few more minutes and then gives you a new one sentence mechanic like it's so gradual and smooth that the presentation is just yeah perfect and then pretty early on it it lets you unlock a new mode where it's like here's like a music mode and it's like oh this is basically now just like tetris effect inspired version of finity and it's like oh it even is cooler in this mode uh, I, I love it. I've been on a, a hunt because I love Bejeweled so much. Like my most played phone game by a mile is uh, Bejeweled Blitz. I love it. But it has some free-to-play stuff. And it's like a lot of those old PopCap games on phones are just barely dragging on. The ads are just corroding the inside of them. It's like Horrific. It, it's just it barely functional at this point. And so I've just been cruising Apple Arcade for like, just give me a good, simple Bejeweled clone. If it's Bejeweled Blitz, even better. You know, just I want that easy format. And it's like, hey, here's, uh, we have Zookeeper, which is a great Bejeweled game. But like, okay, this one, you 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 hold, hold, hold it horizontal and you like roam around the world to do side quests. Before I've been puzzle- playing that one a lot. <laughs> oh, really? The last week, two weeks, yes. <laughs> but it's like, it's, they know what we want. Just give us, give us the core of it. Just let me have a vertical Bejeweled clone, please. Is it too much to ask? Um, have you played Bold Moves? No. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast. It's a it's got an Apple Arcade version mm. of the regular game, but Apple Arcade versions of these games are like microtransactionless and not as hard because you can't pay your way through them and they so they may as well not incentivize you to. Right. Bold Moves is just the puzzles for sure. And the the premise is you solve pretty little bejeweled puzzles and you get an inspirational quote at the end. Sure. And then you can save it to your quote collection if it moved you it's like <laughs> i i played it for a long long time it is such a simple perfect little time passer oh yeah check it out but yeah finity is the name of this thing it's from seba name the developer and i was looking these folks up because i'd never heard of them before and they made another ios game that i don't believe is in apple arcade but i've never seen something like this before it's called dual like d-u-a-l and the idea is it's like um a space shooter but you like hold your phone horizontal and then another player also plays it on their phone. And so you're like aiming at each other with your phone and shooting projectiles. And then it's coming onto the opponent's phone from the other direction. It's like a really cool idea for multiplayer iOS games. I got to check it out too. Um, speaking of games that played too much of Leo, I know we talked about it before on the podcast, but um, the game of my paternity leave by a mile, no offense to Final Fantasy 16, was freaking Sping, man, on Apple Arcade. Yeah. Sping is so good. And I, I dabbled with it before and you sung its praises. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But unbelievable. Um, it's if you remember Pixel Junk Eden, everybody, it's a little bit like that, where it's but this is just one button game. You press the button, it shoots a little string out to swing around a little hook, and then you launch yourself in different areas around these levels to collect bits and bobs. Super simple gameplay, but just vertical, one-handed game. One-handed, one button. I don't think you can make a better action game than Sping. Yeah. Is it the, on the, iOS? It's Apple Arcade as well, yeah. I can't find it. Uh, Sping? It's Sping. I, I think the With eyes the, technically... The eyes an exclamation point. Right. Oh. Uh, I think it would show up if I type in Sping. That's like, the problem. There's some joke in the description or something about how much they regret naming it that. <laughs> I forget where I read <laughs> that, but yeah. It doesn't show up if I type in Sping, like at all that's it's crazy it's so I find, frustrating because even i'm looking for like coverage of sping out there and it's like no one's really reviewing it covering it i know it came out 2021 but it just it just is lost in this apple arcade abyss but it's like it, there's such good stuff in there like sping is such a cool game and it, no one ever talks about it as in my mind like 
Hall of Fame mobile action game. I know. I've beaten like 500 levels in Spang. It's uh, a really good game. And and uh, App Arcade, yeah. I, I'll take any opportunity to sing its praises. I think it's a great pitch, and I get a lot out of it for the price. Yeah, and don't write in you jackals being missed opportunity with the joke. Leo should have said Spang its praises. We know. We know he all should have said Spang yes, its I praises. I intentionally sidestepped that. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. So Jeffum could do it. <laughs> take it away, Jeffum. I blew it. Sping its praises. And he did the holy hands move after a good joke. He did it all. Uh, yeah, Leo, I uh, I 100%ed over a thousand levels in Sping uh, on my nice. paternity leave. Yeah. I just did not stop playing it. And there's still so many more that I have to get to. Um, so it's, it's pretty worth- too. Yep. It's gorgeous. You're, you're just unlocking like different uh, art styles to be playing in pretty much. And there's a bunch of really cool ones and i'll be like oh i'm playing this in bed at night so i'll switch it to this cool like neon night butterfly one or whatever it's cool yeah sping worth having a kid for everybody even if you're on the fence like it's the perfect paternity maternity leave game you got to get on your phone go out and make more kids everybody for more sping time i i insist um but yeah it's from a smg studio and they're out of australia uh, and they also made Moving out i know Moving out 2 just released but i haven't checked it out but i like that first one just fine but um, also on the mobile train. And again, we know this is stupid to talk about mobile games when there's Nintendo games that we're not aware of. We know, but what do you want us to do? We're not time travelers. But you know who is? Sephiroth, everybody. That's right. Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis uh, is a new mobile game. Jeff, as somebody who loved Final Fantasy VII Remake, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? No. Tell me. Okay, let me tell you about Ever Crisis. They announced it a while ago. So... The idea is it's a free-to-play, not Apple Arcade, free-to-play mobile game for iOS and Android where they're remaking every Final Fantasy VII game. So they're remaking the original Final Fantasy VII. Uh, They are remaking Crisis Core that's available now. They're also remaking, uh, before Crisis, our beloved Dirge of Cerberus, the Dirty Dirge. Advent Children, the movie they're turning into a game. It's just everything possible within the Final Fantasy VII universe, which is a strange thing to say. They are remaking it, putting it in chapters in this little mobile game, dividing the chapters up, putting some text in between them to fill some gaps, and then just putting the grossest free-to-play menu uh, in between all of this just to try and entice you to unlock Tifa's, you know, lifeguard skin. (laughs) Just a lot of just (laughs) nasty stuff like that. But starting out, like, it is an impressive experience. Like, I I like the chibi art style. It feels like a different style of a remake of the original Final Fantasy VII. And you do, like, the entire bombing run mission from the original Final Fantasy VII and fight the Scorpion Guard and all that classic stuff before then they launch you into this the grossest menu you've ever seen in your life where it's five minutes of tutorials. Like this currency does this. And then you can upgrade this if you use this currency over here. And then this, it just, it drains your soul. But up until that soul draining point, it is an impressive little thing. And I do think overall it is a stupid amount of effort that they're pouring into this. And it's going to be sad in 10 years when it's probably going to be unplayable on any device. Cause it is like a funky different style of remake for all this stuff. Weird choice. I never would have seen that coming being a thing they make. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's there's a lot of bizarre stuff in this. Like I saw a YouTube ad for it recently where the ad just says, play the latest Final Fantasy seven. And then it's just a trailer for Everchrist. It's like, I guess that's how you bill it is. It's the new Final <laughs> Fantasy seven, everybody. Um, but what's really strange about it, Haley, is they had that PUBG style battle royale 
in the Final Fantasy VII universe a while ago in mobile that they shut down not too long ago, but that was called The First Soldier. And what's really confusing is this is a bunch of remake content, but then they have a new storyline in Ever Crisis that's also called First Soldier, but it's separate from the other Battle Royale that they just shut down. However, what's interesting about it is it's the origin story for Sephiroth. Like we've seen... I'm sorry to go full dorky here, but we've seen like young Sephiroth, like in Crisis Core, younger, but this is apparently his full origin story in First Soldier that it'll take you a little while to get to unlock. Um, but here's the overall take of Ever Crisis. Like I, I, I'm not into the free-to-play stuff. Um, I think it's a cool production, but I think the takeaway is if you're a fan of Final Fantasy VII, you should look up the fans on YouTube who are just making full videos of this content. Cause you can just watch like a two hour movie that has like pretty cool animation. That's just Sephiroth's origin story. Or the thing that's really interesting is they have little like 10 minute vignettes where it's origin quests for a bunch of different characters from final fantasy seven. Like you get to see Tifa, hear me out, Jeff. You get to see Tifa going into Midgar, um, for the first time and like her she has G- getting a, her lifeguard certification <laughs> yeah exactly but you get to see like sweet stuff of like tifa working with jesse and jesse teaching her about the mean streets of midgar and it's like that's a relationship you never really get in a big way in seven you see cloud's origin story of when he goes to midgar and reunites with tifa and uh, this is deep in the weeds i understand it but it just blew my mind because then it's like tifa says hey how about you're a merc and how about we give you a job with avalanche avalanche they're actually going on a raid tomorrow if you want to go on it which i always thought cloud was reunited with tifa for a while in midgar but the idea that like he gets back to midgar after some traumatic events and then it's like the next day that's when the bombing raid happens with avalanche that was a weird detail and jeff i'm not proud of it they have like an Aerith origin story here where she just really wants to go on a picnic um, and it genuinely made me emotional. Like it's a sweet story of her and her moms, and it it, it got me, man. And so, what the Final Fantasy making people emotional? It, like I I haven't played any Final <laughs> Fantasy, but well, there we go. Get emotional. I, I I should. I think if you are a healthy adult, no offense, because it's in my heart of hearts. But if you're a healthy adult and you jumped into Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, it would take a lot to make you emotional. But it it just feels like here's a new story with my dearest friends from when I was 12, you know? So like, of course that's going to get me right in the gut. Um, And so I definitely want to watch that Sephiroth origin story for first soldier on YouTube. So God bless everybody who's going through the microtransaction nonsense and hitting the button 6,000 times just to rip these stories and put them up on YouTube. But is this lore that the community's like been really wanting and it's just weirdly in here? Not like craving, you know, it's like, it's a nice little bonus. Sure, we'll see okay. all these origin stories. Um, but the thing that is interesting is Final Fantasy VII is in a really, it's in a fun spot right now because of the remake. And I guess I won't spoil too much about the end of the remake that everyone's been talking about. Uh, you know, the internet's been buzzing about it for three years, I understand. Um, <laughs> but the end of the remake, it it's putting the world of Final Fantasy VII in particular in a really interesting spot, lore-wise, timeline-wise, a bunch of funky stuff. And so any hints of like where they're going or what's happening there is more uh, interesting. And the beginning of Ever Crisis, this mobile game, it is Sephiroth fighting Cloud, and then Zack, our boy Zack, jumps in and helps fight. And it's like this wildly lavish production. It's really well done. And normally you'd be like, okay, fan service, here's a little thing. But in the world we're in after Final Fantasy VII Remake and the Integrate DLC, 
it now it's like you you can't just gloss past anything. You see that little moment. And it's like, is this showing where they're going in future Final Fantasy VII remake installments? Jeff, um, despite the look on your face, it's interesting if you're a Final Fantasy VII fan. I'm sure it is. Okay, there we go, everybody. I don't remember anything about Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. So, I feel so sorry for people like you, Jeff, who enjoyed Remake, but now when Rebirth comes out, to really be on top of it, you're going to need to like redo a whole crash course on and what I, was interesting about the ending of that game. I didn't play whatever that DLC was. Oh, you got to play Integrate. Or, you got to play Integrate. It's so good. I literally, I just started it again yesterday and I was like, God, I forgot how fun it is to play as Yuffie. She's just a blast. Story-wise, I think you'll be okay skipping it, but you should just play it because it's fun and it's like five hours or something, you know? It's it's a hoot. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, everybody. I'm very curious to hear what people think about it and um, hopefully we can do some more content about it in the future in some way. Um, hey, Haley, do you know how this very long episode of the podcast operates? <laughs> I think I do. I think it's Patreon with one N. That's right. Patreon, everybody. Patreon.com slash minmax with... Hang on, did you say one N? Patreon with she one did. N, but MinMax with two N's. So three N's total. Yeah, the math yes. checks, out. That uh, checks out. You can help support this show directly, unlock some benefits, and at the same time uh, compete in Trivia Tower. Jump into the $2 tier, please. We want you to compete uh, and win some prizes. So patreon.com slash MinMax with two N's. Thank you for supporting the show over there. We exist because of thee. And we want to give a special shout out to some of our biggest supporters. Special thanks to Factor. Who's better than Factor? Tiny little meals, two minutes in the microwave. Fantastic. They've shipped us like two shipments of Factor to try out. I'm craving more. Every day, I run to the door and open it like it's Christmas morning and there's not more Factor on my doorstep and I curse God himself, Jeff, because I want to eat more of these Factor meals. They're that good. Factor, it's America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Uh, They can help you fuel up with fast and chef-prepared, dietitian-approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. They say this September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door ready in two minutes. No prep, no mess. Literally, two-minute meals in the microwave very very good head to factormeals.com slash minmax50 use code minmax50 the number 50 to get 50% off that's code minmax50 at factormeals.com slash minmax50 to get 50% off and Jeff they come with smoothies oh there we go also shout out to stamps.com everybody stamps.com it's like having a post office wherever you are in your home all you need is a computer and a printer they even send you a free scale you have everything you need to get started with stamps.com for 25 years stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses it's all the benefits of a post office in your home with none of the hassle everybody uh, we have um, our Extra Life charity stream coming up in early November here at MinMax. And last year, I made the foolish mistake of going to a UPS store to ship out all of the prizes from auction winners. Oof. And it cost over $1,000. But this year, uh, I have learned the lesson and stamps.com will be the way to go for shipping out this stuff. So if you have a small business and you want to do some shipping, stamps.com, everybody. You can sign up with your promo code MINMAX for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, as we all like to say, and enter the code MINMAX for easy shipping. 
Also, thank you to Liquid IV, and just thank you to liquids all around the world. We all forget that hydration's important, but Leo, ready to chug his big vat of Liquid IV. There he goes. Can he do the Liquid IV challenge? Um, They want everybody to know that proper functional hydration is essential. Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Put it on a bumper sticker. Their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Use it first thing in the morning before a workout when you feel run down in the afternoon after a night out with friends or on long flights. Liquid IV. Get hydrated quicker, better, faster, meaner. Yes, Leo. Gamers love multipliers. They love them. Also, your mic sounds wrong. With just one stick, you can hydrate real life two (laughs) times faster than water alone. Plus, get essential vitamins and three times the electrolytes and as leading sports drinks. Liquid IV comes in 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to get your hydration routine exciting. Um... I, I, we get a shipment of liquid IV, but because Jenna Steber was filling in when we first got this, uh, we, it was all sent over to Jenna Steber's house. And so I know she's been enjoying it and it just keeps showing up at her door, but she seems <laughs> at least in Slack, she seems delighted with the idea of liquid IV showing up at her house forever. It's that good. Everybody, if it shows up at your house, you'll be delighted. Um, they say real people, real flavor, real hydrating, uh, grab your liquid IV, grab your liquid. Real funny. people. Haley, I'm reading the ad copy. It says real people, real flavor. It's made from people. (laughs) It says fine print, absolutely not made from people's IV drips. Liquid IV, everybody. It's real people, real flavor, real hydrating. Grab your liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use MinMax MinMax at checkout. That's 20% off everything when you shop better hydration today using promo code MinMax at liquidiv.com. And, of course, thank you to our dear friends at i8bit. They want everybody to know about Jindy, uh, Jindy Tartakovsky's Primal, the vinyl soundtrack for Primal. Uh, Jindy's new show on Adult Swim, the vinyl soundtrack, is available in i8bit's wonderful online store. Beautiful art. You wouldn't believe how beautiful it is. It includes a double-sided fold-out poster. Great music, great art, great show. Great artist, this Jindy Tartakovsky. And you can use the promo code Return of Chicken Boy. And we all know what a chicken boy sounds like, Jeff. Um, <laughs> and he's back. He's truly also returned. Like a chicken. That's right. Return a chicken boy for 10% off everything in I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store under $100. Use that promo code. Get a discount. Go check out I Am 8-Bit's, I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store because there will be something in there that you will like. If you're a cool gamer or a cool nerd... I promise you'll like I Made Bits online store. I dare you to check it out and not leave going, God damn, that's some good stuff. Um, And help them out. Help help support I Made Bit because they help support the MinMax community each and every week by shipping out a prize. If you support us at any tier on Patreon, not only can you compete in Trivia Tower, get access to the Discord, where Haley will give a thumbs up to a picture of your pet, but also you can submit a question to make this show better. We choose our favorite one every single week, and I Made Bit ships out a prize. This week, it is the vinyl soundtrack to a musical story. They'll ship it right to your gosh darn house, so thanks to I Made Bit in a thousand different ways. All right, community questions. Y'all ready? Woo. Yeah. Woo. Uh, Umami Unagi writes in. You know him, you love him. They say, we found out this week that Jeffum has been clocking at a Starfield at 4 a.m. Apparently, you were streaming the game and people saw your save time and they were horrified. Yeah, my save was 4.30. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's, what's the latest you can remember logging out of a game and how disgusted do you feel with yourself afterwards, everybody? 
<laughs> I mean, I... there have. Go Sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We all don't want to reveal how gross. <laughs> <it is. laughs> when I was in Minneapolis, when I was interning with Gabe Informer, one Saturday, I stayed up the entire night playing GTA Five on online. I don't know Whoa, why yes. that was it at the time. But I I played the entire night until like eleven a.m. Like I didn't sleep. So I don't know if that count, like if that counts. But I remember that I was like, I need to stay awake because I we, we had work on Monday, and I was like, I shouldn't sleep during the day. So I felt so barfy, gross, and I went. And I remember I, I was like, today I'm gonna walk super far to go get a cool breakfast for dinner kind of energy thing. Like I'm just gonna that'll be my day. It's just going to eat breakfast for dinner, and then I'm allowed to come home and sleep. So I walked like. So many kilometers to some brunch spot across town, ate some eggs, and then walked home and let myself sleep because of GTA 5 online. I guess <laughs> it was worth it at the time. I feel there was a time where it was routine to play GTA online with my friends until like, yeah, six it or was, seven in the morning. It did, but, it did hit different, like 2016 esque era. Like, that was the best era. I'm so nostalgic for that. That I had a real love affair with that game, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, but the the record is Metal Gear Solid Five. It'll always be. It dropped at midnight, and I played it until the following midnight. Whoa! Twenty four hours straight. So anything oh. short of that is, you know, not as extreme. Uh, and how is your performance by the end of it? Still like peak gameplay, or were you just kind of like slowly walking through the town and getting spotted left and right by the end of that? I mastered it. Mastered it. My God, uh, Jeff, what, what are you doing at four thirty a.m. playing Starfield? What's going on? Are you waking up? Are you staying up? No, no. It's poor. Poor life decisions. It's 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 especially you'll you'll learn this handsome once your once your wee little clunker gets gets old <laughs> enough to that you have to when you have to watch them during the day. Yeah, it's like once the kid goes to bed, it's like finally I have some time where I'm not getting interrupted every ten minutes. Right, uh, and so but sometimes that time gets away from you. And it's, Ben's baby name reveal clunker. Oops, <laughs> little baby clunker. <laughs> clunker. <laughs> Uh, let's see. White Max writes in to say, how many websites do you actually go to daily these days? I'm now down to just three, really. Dedicated apps make a lot of my browsing, a lot of my in-browser web surfing nearly obsolete. Yeah, how many websites are people going to on a daily basis? I'm going to like dozens just because of work, though. Yeah. Sure. And so like Googling doesn't count for me. Like Gmail doesn't count. I'm... Oh, I think we should count those. You think so? I think it's interesting what we use the an actual web browser for versus apps. Everything sure. encompassed in web browser. Because for me, it's Spotify. I use the Spotify web app because I have so many problems with the mm. not web app. Yeah, I, I use Spotify, YouTube, Gmail. That's probably about all I do in my browser. Yeah. A lot of Google Docs for me, Gmail, Patreon, Twitter, still just for work stuff. Um, I'm on there every day. Reddit. You know, they keep saying, download the Reddit app. I don't, I don't want the Reddit app. I just, I like just searching up specific subreddits and just checking those for updates. And then, like, I say, quote unquote, real sites. Like, I probably look at Game Informer every day. Uh, that's probably it. This, this is why I, I thumbed up that question because I, I wanted to get a sense of how many video game websites you're actually going to mm-hmm. daily. I mean, I get my gaming news. I just have like, I'm sorry if we don't follow you from the MinMax account, but I try and keep that super curated. So it's just gaming news. So every time I open up Twitter from the MinMax account, it's just a feed of just news. Like, you idiots, you're missing the Nintendo Direct um, happening right now. 
Um, and so, yeah, with that, I feel like it's, I'll click through those stories every once in a while, but I don't know. I don't really go to a, a video game website every day for news, I guess. I'm just kind of curious about Game Informer every day. And they, they have good news and stuff, but good features. But yeah, it's not for the news angle, I don't think. Yeah, I think the only site I go to is the New York Times and only for Wordle and the other word games that they have every day. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, I'll I'll go to the Google News feed and I'll go to I'll go to sites that way or I'll go from like newsletters that I get to my email, but I'm not, I don't have like a daily ritual anymore of mm. going to specific websites just to see what's on there. Hmm. Whereas in the Game Informer era, you did? Yeah. I mean, part, it's hard to divorce that from the job, you know, what sites you were going to for the job, but it's just the kind of shifting way that people use the internet, I feel like. Yeah. What, um, Leo, what is uh, your strategy? You're just not on Twitter at all anymore or trying to super minimize it? Or what's the, what's the strategy? I have literally checked in on it yesterday for the first time since I quit, like over a month ago. It feels good. And it was just to see if I had any DMs. Yeah. Which I, which I then went and did like, I'll get emails when I get a new DM because that's all I care about. Some people, it's like all the, the only way they can reach me is through Twitter DMs. I don't want to close that door, but there's... I, I, it's truly, it was, it was deleting the app and waiting to see if I missed it and not missing it at all. Yeah. And now I just use, when I have an app urge, I use letterboxed or backlogged and then I run out of something to do quick and I say, that's, this tells me it's time to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it a lot, but like just having the, get a load of this feed in the discord, it's like, I feel good not scrolling Twitter. Cause like I, I haven't scrolled Twitter this year. Like since January, that was the idea of like, I'll still use Twitter on my personal thing for like sending stuff out and checking mentions. That's maybe like twice a day, checking DMs. But like, I just, I will not scroll. So I'll log in there, check it out and see like the top two tweets. It's like, all right, I get a taste of what people are talking about, but I'm not going to get bogged down in just the world being on fire every day, Haley. As it feels if you're too plugged into Twitter. Right, hitting, yeah. Yeah. I I do scroll them in Max Discord a lot too. That, That has replaced it for me as well. That's in the Starfield channel or whatever I'm, I'm interested in at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, John Skavik says, Hey, has anyone on the panel ever wanted to make a game before? Maybe do a game jam. What about in the month of October? Well, have I got the min hacks 2023 for you? This is a low stress month long game jam for people of any experience level running from October 1st to October 31st. You can find more by going to the MinMax Discord and see Ray Loazzo or John Skavik for questions. Thank you, John Skavik. Yes, we are uh, doing another MinMax Game Jam where this is all organized by the community. It's called MinHacks. But if you want to participate in a game jam throughout the month of October, even if you have no experience making a game, there's something you can do. You can jump on a team. It's all going to be organized in there in a special channel. Uh, so please check that out. Like I wasn't really keeping up on it on a day-to-day basis last year. And then Jeff and I are like, yeah, we'll stream everybody's finished games at the end of the month. One of my favorite streams we've done. Like those games were so impressive. It was so wild. It was Uh, crazy. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what everybody makes. So if you want to join that game jam scene, uh, MinHacks, please check it out, folks. Um, Keely, otherwise it says Kelly and then parentheses Kep. So I don't know what to make that. Maybe it's Welsh or something. Uh, They say, I'd love to know if Haley McLean has any knowledge on the new Unity revenue terms. From what I've seen, when the change takes place uh, onward, any sales on games, even if they were released prior that fall, under the rules, would be charged the install rate 
What's the legality of changing the cost for things that have already been released? And if that is within their power, what's stopping them from ever just deciding all profits from any game made in our software belongs to us now? Um, Haley, I know this is a lot to put on you, but did you get a chance to look it out after, or look at it after the initial plus stuff? Oh my god! I, I like to write things down when I'm thinking of things. Whoa. I thought about this a lot. Oh, this yeah. is stupid. <laughs> god, this is stupid. And not even from like it's obviously unfair. This is a stupid business decision from someone who looks at business contracts all day. This is the dumbest business idea ever. It's so stupid because all you're gonna do is you, you're wait, make sorry, huge sorry, 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 big wigs. I'm sorry. I'm yes, so get angry. to that. Get to the anger. Can you explain what's happening first? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm jumping right to. I'm rage at the poor. This is just, I don't know. This is just super dumb. So essentially, they're implementing what's called a runtime fee. Um, it's instead of a revenue share percentage, which they could have done, and we probably wouldn't even be talking about this right now if they had just taken like a 0.01% revenue share or whatever and probably would have equated to the amount of money they wanted, and everyone would have been on the same page in a better way than taking a flat fee. Oh, it's stupid. Um, so they're saying now that. If you meet, uh, there's like two different tiers you could be in, kind of like, we'll just call it Unity Basic and Unity Pro, essentially, is going to be like the tiers. I have other names, I don't care. And um, if you meet certain thresholds for revenue made on your game and installs, then you have to start paying a flat fee for every single install. So for the lower tier people, it's going to be 20 cents per install. And for higher tier, it's like 2 cents or 15 cents, depending. And there's like a window. And they also were saying like emerging markets, so like other countries that like don't have as much like of an industry where this this kind of thing would make sense they're going to adjust those they didn't say how but essentially it punishes you for your game being successful and being like a sleeper hit it it actively punishes you for you saying okay well i don't have a lot of revenue up front i'm just going to go with the lower unity tier cool like i'm paying for it whatever oh my god everyone loves my game i've gotten two million installs oh my god i owe unity so much money because i didn't have the better tier to result in a lower pay per install fee it is literally the opposite of what they should be doing it's ridiculous and and so the first wave is everybody was lobbing hypotheticals like wait a minute so if you uninstall the game then reinstall it then the developer is charged another 20 cents and so it's like well can you just do Instead of, you know, just uh, swarming a game with negative reviews on Steam, could you just get a big group of people to keep uninstalling and installing a game and then run the developer out of money because of that? And so then Unity <laughs> said, severe. yeah, so Unity's like, okay, that doesn't count anymore. One install is how we're going to do that. And then yes. people were yeah. also like, well, how does it work for like charity giveaways? Like if you're in a big bundle and it's going out for a lot of people, then I'd be charged for that. And then Unity is like, no, 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 we'd be able to track that. But then developers are like, we can't even track that. Like how you're going to develop That's new the- tools so that we can track it. And so Unity has backpedaled on some things because also the idea was like, well, if this game's on Game Pass and it's installed, we're going to be charged for that. And then Unity is like, no, no, no. Yeah, we're going to make it so that Microsoft has to pay for that then. Like, Microsoft's going to hate this and Microsoft's <laughs> going to say, we're not taking at, like nearly as many Unity games and it's going to yeah. kill Unity in the long run. Oh, like, yeah. They haven't mm. thought about this more than like one step of, yippee, we're going to get so many 20 cents right away. And it's like, yeah, but in two years, <laughs> no one's going to want to use your platform, stupid, because they're just going to go to other platforms that aren't taking a flat fee per install and all the huge guys like Nintendo, Microsoft, and all the, are going to say, oh, Unity, can you? is there any way you can switch your platform before we keep working on this project with you is what they're going to say because they don't want to pay 20 cents per install to a third party when they could just be interacting with only you 
the developer with the revenue share because publishers take a revenue share anyways. They don't want to now have a question mark deduction because they don't know how many installs are going to happen. That's always the question with every publishing agreement is, okay, we'll give you an advance, but we don't know how much money this game's going to make. How about we split the revenue this way for this way? It's all question marks. It's like, it's an investment. That's what publishers are doing. They're investing in the success of your project to hopefully recoup the, the investment of the advance and then all the percentages after. And with this, it's like a huge random spike that might be like, oh, but we might lose all the positives from Unity. So let's not work on this project anymore. And it's essentially trapping people who've worked on Unity projects for like four years and need to finish it in Unity to now have to do this. And then they're also saying, which is, I don't know a lot about competition law. Like this is where I don't know a lot, but this is, I noticed this as Unity saying, but if you use our specific services and not these other services, it'll lower the price so that you know, you don't end up paying so much. But I would argue you're locking in people to this platform because they can't switch it because it's been so long and they didn't have a knowledge that this was going to happen down the road, that now they have to pay more to use your services to have a lower flat fee. There's got to be some kind of like antitrust law that says you can't, I don't know what it would be called. I don't know enough about it, but that does not, there's something stinky there. Like that can't be a thing that's allowed. Like, (laughs) sorry. And that's a legal term. There's something stinky there. There's something stinky there. Where's the poop? Is what the lawyers say. Like, yeah. where's the poop? Yeah. It's in here somewhere. I don't know where, but it's in here somewhere. There's some statute somewhere. Uh, Awful. Yeah. So that idea of you can't, the stinky part, you can't go back and change the terms. That's the part that this person was asking about. Like, they can't just say. Uh, yeah, see, that's the thing. I don't know. So I read their terms of service last night. <laughs> And I was reading through it with that lens. What I don't know, I read through the terms and they do, actually, I have the section here. I could just dead ass read it if you want. Sure. Um, but they, they do permit you to, they're allowed to make changes to their payment fee. And that's already pre-approved if you agree to their terms and conditions. Oh boy, okay. Um, so Unity may add or change fees, rates, or charges for any of the offerings from time to time by notifying you of such changes and or posting such changes to the offering identification, which may include changes posted to the site. So that thing that they, the blog post they posted the other day. They'll provide you prior notice, aren't they nice, of any changes affecting existing <laughs> offerings you've already stated you started using. And your continued use of any offering after the effective date of such change means you accept and agree to such changes. So that's the acceptance element. Is oh they're boy. saying if you keep using it, you accept to it. But I don't know if they have like an enterprise version. So if I signed on to Unity Pro, I like sign this additional, like usually what we do with software for a service agreements is you have the terms of service and privacy policy, which you adhere to. But then for like bigger clients, they might have an enterprise agreement that has customized terms that says they're spending more money. So they deserve to have like a more crafted agreement for their specific thing. I don't know if Unity does. This is why I don't know. Mm. If those agreements exist and they have something in there that says they won't change backdate change fees, then they could contest that. But if it's just the terms of service that apply to all these people, then they've said in advance they can do that. Oof. You could try to you could try and push back. Like I, I saw on Twitter some people are saying there's a class action developing. I don't know if they'd be going after that from a competition law point of view or like a contract violation point of view, but their terms say they can do it. So I don't know. Yikes. Sounds like episode four of Laws, Claws, and yeah. Claws. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, there's a lot of big games that are developed on Unity. I mean, Among Us, Genshin Impact, there's a ton more, but a lot of developers were releasing statements being like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Are you kidding me? Like, we're jumping engines the next opportunity we can if you stick with this. Am I naive for just seeing a little bit of the outrage and being like, well, they're, they're obviously going to 180 hard. They're going to backtrack on all this stuff because it's not sustainable. Yeah. 
the biggest surprise was that they're they're walking it back was not fully walking it back yes. but i think that's just a matter of time but it, it is still crazy how many of these pr disasters unity has i feel like it has such an opportunity to be like the underdog favorite game engine yeah. of like scrappy indie developers and instead it chooses like every single time i hear about it it's like look how ridiculously stupid this is <laughs> like i have friends who use it and we have a channel for like coding in our discord yeah and they're constantly like look at this dumb thing unity did look at this embarrassing thing unity did that oh, makes no, no. sense it is like her constant and the wild thing with this walk back too is like one of the main spokespeople over there like john riccatello formerly of ea is running the thing but one of the spokespeople for this whole thing is mark witten who was at microsoft before this and he was the spokesperson when we visited before the xbox one reveal where it was all about the xbox one always online plan so like mark Witten has just become like the spokesperson for just the worst 180s and walkbacks in the game industry it's like get mark on your team you'll 180 harder than anybody it's so bizarre this feels like they're hemorrhaging money and unity is kind of starting to tank a bit i read something yeah. else that he was selling a bunch of shares recently whether that's connected or not sure yeah uh, is to be determined that I, I will say they're insiders to unity have never purchased more shares they've only ever sold them so okay. there you go fun take that with that that doesn't that doesn't where's the poop that doesn't that where's doesn't the good. poop john <laughs> yep um on a lighter note jeffem's backlog writes in they say and maybe it's appropriate with this name they say i wanted to give a quick shout out to jeffem's twitch streams this year his relaxed attitude and deliberate playstyle is unique in the streaming world, and it makes for a very chill watch while still being engaging. It's a perfect fit for some of these big sandboxes he's been streaming this year, like Dwarf Fortress, Zelda, and now Starfield. I've loved these streams, even for games I don't play myself. Look at that, Jeff. I'm Thank you. Twitch.tv slash Minmax show, yeah. everybody. And Different. they're in a YouTube playlist. You might not see them on our YouTube channel. Find the playlist of Minmax Play. That's right. There we go. That's where the gold is. Yeah, D- different or just unprofessional? I I don't know. Mm. They're giving me a lot of credit for for me just playing games the way I play games. You should look at more of Donut Media's tone on YouTube, and if you can kind of oh, bring okay. that type of energy, I, I hear that. I hear that slaps. Is oh, that... It, it whips all right. Um, okay. But then Jeffen's backlog. Slaps, that's great. right. <laughs> These are good things. Cool. It whips and slaps so hard it bombs. Uh, Jeffen's backlog <laughs> writes in, and they say. I can't help but feel like this would be a great format for his long-awaited return to Red Dead Redemption 2 on Twitch. Mm, perhaps someday. <laughs> Yo, cool. Promises made, promises kept. Uh, Steven Stitt writes in and says, you're allowed to erase one sequel from any game from history. What are you picking and why? I'm picking Duke Nukem Forever because I think the world would be a better place without it. Yeah, I mean... I don't Yeah, sure. Maybe maybe it'd be a slightly better place. <laughs> uh, mine would be um, Red Faction Guerrilla 2. Armageddon. Armageddon, yes. In hopes that... Because, because I feel like by now, Embracer would be looking at it and saying, hey, Red Faction Guerrilla was a big hit. We should do that again. And, and no one would be there saying, let's set it inside caves in a really small areas that betrays the entire idea of yeah. what everyone you know what loved. You know what everyone loved about the previous one? Me neither. <laughs> yes. I think it was, hey, look, to go behind the scenes, I think it was a matter of what, they were working on Gorilla for like seven years. It was such a tech nightmare. I yeah. think it's very much like, we just need to turn something else around. How can we, we crank something? We need to something? cash in on this yes. by betraying everything that everyone loved 
thus guaranteeing that we never get to make another sequel to it. Right. And the franchise will be dead aside from remastered edition. No, 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 no. You're forgetting about the game that I'm scrambling to find the name of. They made that isometric Red Faction car game. Do you remember this? Oh, of course. (laughs) The other thing everybody loved about Red Faction Guerrilla. (laughs) Red Faction Battlegrounds? Yeah, there it is. Um, Iconic in its own way. Um, Well, I got bad news for Jeff. If you're looking for a new Red Faction, um, Volition is not around. Uh, Yeah, so now it's... Who would pick that up ever? I mean, it's going to go in a fire sale at some point for all of Embracer's stuff, and it'll be on someone's true backlog forever now. Some big publisher will just have it sitting there. Yeah, I mean, it was it was always a pipe dream that you know. Obviously, if the people if the people who managed to make it the first time never want to do it again because it was so hard, you know. And I mean, all praise to them. Like they figured out something that was really technically hard. And there's a reason that no one else has ever done it again. Um, But that doesn't make it suck any less for the people who enjoyed playing in such a cool physics-based sandbox. True. I think that's a good answer because it's hard to think of a sequel that actually, like, has done damage. You know, most of them, it's like, who cares? But I guess when I... I guess I think of Star Wars Battlefront 2. It's like the new Star Wars Battlefront 2 is kind of apparently good. And, like, people do play it. Yeah. And I think if we hadn't got it and we just had that first one, which didn't do very well, and who knows, maybe people played it too, but I think we'd be more likely to get like a, a new version of the old one. That's the thing. You know, it's when they, re- when they release a sequel and then they mess up something big with it. And then the conclusion is, look, see, people don't want it. We got to kill this franchise. Like, no, we just didn't want mm-hmm. that one. You know, like Star Fox Zero is another good candidate, right? Where it's like, we made the Star Fox 64 Ultimate Experience. Figure. Platinum developed it, and you didn't buy it. What do you want? It's like, well, you made it for the Wii U, and the controls were abysmal because you made it for the Wii U. But if you made a Switch port of that, people would buy it, and I bet people would enjoy it, you know? But just, like, you can't just say, well, we've tried. We tried releasing one, and that's it. Um, I guess it's a little bit like the WarioWare Gold scenario, right? Of Like, they made that great version of all the micro games from WarioWare for the 3DS, and it's like, well... That didn't fly off the store shelves, so now the next WarioWare is going to be having characters on the screen, which I still like uh, WarioWare, push it together, whatever the hell that was, um, but it's like it's still not quite there. And now the new one is still going to be like Smooth Moves, which is a great game, uh, but I just yeah. feel like they're scared to go back to that more simple formula because they tried it once and no one wanted it. Yeah. Overwatch Natron, 2 Natron. that got ruined. Oh, great oh, yeah, totally. Of course. Overwatch 2. They just, they, all they did was make it 5v5 instead of 6v6, made it free to play, and then made everything like freemium, like skin, just buy skins now. That's like all it is now, get the battle pass. And I hate it because if your tank sucks, you lose. That's how it, that's how it goes now. Yeah. Like if you, well, tank's such a critical role in that game. And when you had two, like now it's, it's two support, two DPS, one tank. It used to be two, two, two. So even if you had one tank that was kind of slacking, it's like, all right, well, the other one's picking up the slack. They're making space for me. I can move up. I'll just stick with the better tank and they'll be better at like pushing up. Now it's like, I'll get in a game with a roadhog who just stands in the back. And I'm literally like, I never talk in games, but I want to go and chat and be like, what? <laughs> it it like, turns good people toxic. No. It turns good people toxic, and it's ruined. That should it. be it's the just... slogan for yeah. Overwatch Two. Great <laughs> for real. Uh, yeah. Natron B in the comments says Mass Effect Andromeda, which is another one of those completely oh, yeah. healed. Well, no, the I mean they're they're making they're making a new Mass Effect. It won't come out for ten years. Now, but, but yeah, how many how many Mass Effects would we have gotten in the meantime? 
if if Andromeda wouldn't have been the next one after three. I don't know. I'm just I'm so pessimistic about all things Bioware these days. And you know, they just had the layoffs recently yeah. too. That I I don't think there was another great Mass Effect sitting there that Andromeda could be hurt. I think that was them giving it their all, and the conclusion was yeah, yeah, yeah okay, sure. Um, Overwatch Two is the definitive answer, yeah. though. Yep, yep because yep. that is like specifically one that the story is it took away resources from the first one because they were making the second one yep including all of these features that are not in it and are not going to be in it yeah so it's yeah. like if we can undo the time waste of that team and have them be like giving all their efforts to overwatch one as their flagship thing like that is yeah oh yeah they promised yeah, all outcome. these these cool like missions you could do with like all these skill trees and everyone was like sick like i don't mind this switching if i get that too and then like 10 months later they're like he it's not coming and i was like oh like i can't why do they have to say yeah in the press release tee hee how rude that was like the header big text (laughs) tee hee and then the rest of it nainer 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 oh cruel (laughs) yes nainer nainer and i still play that game all the time even though i don't like it (laughs) i do like it it's just like a comfort game for me but it's truly like it got way worse when they release too which is a bummer yeah you've been nannered um david kelly writes in and says hey can leo give a quick review of saints row as it's now launched on steam and after so many updates the original impressions are likely dated yeah it's wokeism run them up <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a shame I, I i i i dig that game i think it is in a great collectathon place where it just feels good to do the little content in it it's buy it on a on a big big sale if you aren't expecting much and you'll have fun good customization play your way (laughs) you know there's like perks and stuff so you can feel like you're you know here's what i like doing these melee takedowns or whatever these kicks i'll make a little build around that it's super super bare bones but enough to inform your play so it's fun yeah speaking of sale i mean it's the ps plus game right now unfortunately the prices for ps plus are (laughs) skyrocketing so you know jump in if you want but uh, and then the Game Informer score, Leo, is... Eight. Eight. Jared Pierce writes in and says, Hey, Min Max, I've been playing Armored Core, and in one of my attempts at a fight against two other mechs, I absolutely blew it. I barely did any damage, and I died within a few seconds. Afterwards, one of the other mech pilots said something along the lines of, Target didn't match the briefing. We'll have to check in with HQ when we return. Essentially saying this guy was supposed to be dangerous, but turns out he sucks ass. <laughs> it absolutely destroyed me. What's the best insult you've received from a video game? It's in voice chat. Yeah, voice chat. I, it's tough. Yeah, I suppose you should factor in voice chat. I heard a dude once say to me, and I'll never forget this because it was so funny and I had to give him props. Uh, Even Noah's Ark couldn't carry you animals. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even say anything. I'm like, you're right. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I I think it was in Call of Duty Warzone. I think it was like when I was playing with Grant or maybe Grant was telling me about it, my friend. But maybe this is a common insult. I've just never heard it, but it just, it's so perfect where is fighting somebody and then in a uh, voice chat, he insulted him by calling him a trash can. Like you're a freaking trash can. Is it, has anybody else ever heard this? Is this a common thing? I've never heard that, it's, but I try to no. do like nice insults with my friends. Like I use Dodo bird a lot. Perfect. And it, it, Cause it's like, I don't want to call you stupid, but like, Oh, don't be a Dodo bird. Get over here. What do you do it? Cause it's like a little <laughs> softer, but it's still also right. like, you're annoying me. Smarten up. 
But also, energy. is it softer because it makes you think about it more? Like, if someone says, you're trash, it's like, okay, sure, but you're a trash can. It's like, well, this is a new wrinkle. This is all right. <laughs> you trash. Not only are you trash, but you consume trash. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You are the yeah. object that we put trash in permanently. Yeah, you have one purpose, and it's trash-related. <laughs> of trash. Yeah. Um, I, what comes to mind is when Siege used to say choked defeat when Ooh. you would go to 2-2 oh. and then lose it in overtime, which oh. I think they finally did change. But that was like, why am I playing a game that does not, that wants me to feel bad? Why else would you <laughs> put those words in there when I tried my best? <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, Travis in Fargo writes in, probably from Fargo, and they say, what's the best thing you've ever found at a rummage sale or while dumpster diving? About 10 years ago, I found a Super Nintendo in its original box in a dumpster. It was in great condition and had the controllers and cables. Whoa. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. What do y'all got? One time a church put out like the thing that it held its Bibles in. And it was like the best TV stand I've ever owned. But I had to throw it away because it was getting like moldy because my apartment's so humid. But it, like I just cut the back of it so that my console stuck through. But it was just so long and wide, and I was like, super, I had no money at the time, so it's just like this awesome long like console thing that I put my TV on had all the room for my games because it was just sweet. like for a million Bibles, <laughs> and I was like, this is perfect. I painted it a cool color. I remember that. Uh, quick interruption before Jeff slays us. Backstage Pass says that Starfield just posted a list of upcoming changes on Steam, and the field of view slider is one of the things coming. Huh. Good. Nice. Go. Thank you, Crowboy. Hopefully, no one. A else shame they couldn't figure that out before launch. Whoever, whoever what? thought of a field of view slider? Yeah, they were putting out six thousand other fires, but yeah, for sure. But it, it is. You're totally right. We again, we can't know what's going on over there. But it is funny to see like mods that fix these things in within thirty minutes of the game coming out. It's like how long could it have taken them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To add this, if a, if a random person can like go into this game from the outside and figure that out that fast, I agree, Leo. Development is easy. Yeah. <laughs> and they should stay. all use Unreal. Woo! Right. Woo! Uh, it it wasn't it wasn't from the trash, but my wife <laughs> called me up one day. It wasn't from the trash can. I should I should okay. Um, but she called me up one day and she said she was driving somewhere with her siblings. And they found there was a bookshelf out by this out by the you know curb for curbside pickup, and she said she should, should she get it, and she picked it up, and it's amazing. It, it's like a homemade bookshelf that someone someone clearly made out of like two by fours, but they just designed it in a way that it looks really nice. And so we brought it home, we sanded it and painted it up, uh, and oh, it's man. like one of the best bookshelves we have. That's sweet. Uh, yeah, nice. I guess like and it was we have free. A, we got it. We have a lot of free stuff, but uh, like the patio table outside we found by the side of the road. That was pretty sweet. And then I found an umbrella that fits perfectly in the patio table. I was like, okay, that's, oh, that's, nice. that's good living there. Um, we found um, We found just huge slates. We found granite countertops on the side of the road oh my God. a couple of years That's ago. Like so expensive. Super expensive. And like one of them had like a little corner chipped off it and that was it. But we were oh, like, okay. my dad was building out like a permanent porch out at their place. And so I like sent him a picture like, do you want granite countertops? He's like, yeah, they're going to have countertops and have free granite countertops. So then we just had to load the granite countertops into a car to bring it out there to him. I have never encountered anything heavier. It was... Uh, you think you have a good sense of how much a granite countertop can weigh? 
I tell you, even with these muscles, triple it. Because somehow it's the heaviest object on Earth. Uh, here's two things at garage sales that I did not get. Once, when I was a, a young boy of, of 10 years old or so, mm. there was a, like, four-seater pedal car, like, you can rent at the at the falls. Oh, whoa. You know, with the awning and stuff? Yeah. And I was like, if I get all my money out of the bank, I could buy this. But my mom didn't let me. Oh, and yes, that would have changed yes. the trajectory of my life. If I was the kid in the neighborhood with a little mini car, oh, we could all bike around God, together. God, that sounds fun. And, yeah. Uh, the other thing is recently, a couple blocks from me, there was an organ on the boulevard that was plugged in with an extension cord. A musical organ, I should say. <laughs> it was so cool, and I wish I could have gotten it, but it literally wouldn't fit in the door here. Ugh. But it had these automated like percussion backing track stuff that they had left on, so it was kind of playing itself. And they had a like prop severed hand resting on the keys. Oh, that's nice. so good. It was a, just an awesome find out on a walk. Uh, I was thinking recently about uh, I was walking around with my girlfriend at the time and we found a mannequin in the dumpster, but it was like a weird cloth mannequin. I was like, this is sweet. I got to grab this. And she's like, just peak embarrassed. Like, what are you? Stop diving into a dumpster to grab a dirty, weird mannequin. But I did it and I said, we'll find some purpose for this. And then we brought it to Game Informer and it was in the Game Informer storage room for maybe a year or two, Leo. Yeah, but we did find a use for it, didn't we? We did, because then we did an Extra Life video. I forget. Oh, it was like the murder of Dan Tack. It was like a whole narrative mm. that we did for Extra Life. And then as part of that bit, we made it so that Dan Tack threw Andrew Reiner off the balcony uh, in slow motion as Ave Maria played. And so then we were able to finally use the mannequin so we dressed it up like Reiner. So it looked like Dan Tack was throwing Reiner off the building. And that's the beauty of garbage. You hang on to it for years, and then you you make probably a dozen people smile a little bit on the internet, and I guess that's worth it. And when someone was remoting, remote calling in on Extra Life, you put right. the laptop on the mannequin's head, right? Yeah. I think. Oh, and also when we did the game club for the original Final Fantasy VII at Game Informer, Tim Turry was on the first episode, but then he went and worked at Capcom, and so we put a cutout of tim turry's head on the mannequin and it was sitting at the table then for the rest of the time in his honor it's a great bits everybody needs a mannequin at home it's a great partner to have in life uh what do y'all like for a question of the week I, I i like the sequel that i was gonna say the sequel well because we found the most you know the definitive answer yeah. the unity one is great one. but to be fair like four people wrote in about it and i just chose keps so i feel like i'd be robbing the other people uh Okay, Haley, do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Sequel. Gavel, gavel, gavel. Steven Stitt, congratulations. You're winning the big prize from I'm 8-Bit, the final soundtrack to a musical story. Now it's time for something that we prefer to call Get a Load of This. All right, Leo, pop quiz. What do you got? <laughs> um, there's a first-person mod for Weird West. Oh, cool. Somebody modded Weird West, the isometric immersive sim from last year that I do dig a lot to make it first person. I think it was a developer, actually. Somebody who worked on the game. Oh, sweet. Went ahead and made a first person mod. That doesn't work perfect. How could it? But it works remarkably well. And the graphics look remarkably good for being way zoomed in. Yeah. Way close to them. Like, it's an art style that scales really well. Sweet. Love it. Nice. Uh, hey, get a load of this. Um, 
there's this old interview in 1991 with Barbara Walters, classic Barbara Walters interview, but I'd never seen it. And she's interviewing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but they're in their full costume and set from the movie. And it's just an absurd interview. And, you know, Jeff, you remember Barbara Walters interviews. They're famous for one thing. Mm-hmm. Do you remember these? Back in the day, remember the other nights? Remember everyone would always cry during the Barbara Walters interviews? That was like her oh, shtick, sure. is she'd always make you cry. And like so, Marin. that's exactly it. She was the Marin of her day. <laughs> Lock the gates, Barb's. And so, uh, at a certain point, she asked Donatello about his, about his parents. And then it's the best because they made this puppet cry his <laughs> eyes out. And like seeing a puppet go through this, like, you know, the tech behind the scenes must have been complicated, but they have water pouring out of this puppet's eyes, and it's so good. So That's there's so a funny. link below if you want to see Donatello cry as a puppet. Uh, Haley, you got something? Yeah. Get a load of this. Um, Rebecca Sugar, who I love, she's like the creator of Steven Universe. She worked on Adventure Time for a long time. A lot of my skittles of this have been Adventure Time related, but That's I fine. really like Adventure Time. She's doing, um, like, a charity... What would you call it? Here, I have the post here. Um, a Tear charity down? free virtual concert for the Trevor Project ah. um, on the 17th of this month. And uh, she says she's announcing something at the end of it. So I, I think she might be announcing a new show, which would be really cool. Because nice. I love Steven Universe. And I think she's like she's like one of my favorite creative people ever. I think she's very thoughtful and like puts a lot of effort into her shows and makes everything very cohesive and nice. And I think Cartoon Network like wasn't the place for her show because they cut everything short and hated all her queer representation and stuff, which is annoying, but I'm excited. I, I, I She has been very quiet for a long time and she just recently got a TikTok and her TikToks are really good because everyone's using like her songs for trends. She, she like hops on the trend. She's like, I wrote this song. Hey, okay, I'll do the trend. <laughs> That's She's be just surreal. super cool. So I'm excited to see what she announces then yeah, next sweet. week. Uh, Jeff, what do you got? Uh, I get a load of this. Um, I was reading through some trashy listicle about um, things that people didn't know until they were today years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them got me. And yeah. that is that buttload is an actual measurement. Shut up. Um, it's It goes back to uh, English wine cask units because the different sized barrels all have different names. And so the smallest uh, is a pin and that's four gallons. An actual barrel is 32 gallons, and a butt is 126 gallons or 477 liters. So when they say a butt load, it has an actual value to and it. And that's how much diarrhea you can hold in your butt? 477 <laughs> oh my liters. God. Yikes. So that's not wow. fair. So winemaking, it gets butt load and bunghole? Or I guess, wait, bunghole, that's like whiskey. I don't know anything bunghole's about bunghole. Not a you're, you're out well, it's not a measurement, but bunghole is like the hole in a barrel. Like, there's a lot of just good oh, barrels. If you what? say so, I don't, I don't know hey, anything about that. Hey, too hot to I'm handle. TMI, buddy. Oh. oh, the thing yeah. that everyone always pops out and then a little bit of water pours down and then they peek their eye through? That's yeah. the bunghole? That's the bunghole. Oh. That's the that. bunghole. Uh, Who told you that? I think it's real. Let me just Google you bunghole You got that fact from your dad? Yeah. Don't Google bunghole. Don't Dang do it. it. Yeah, and I can't believe bunghole, buttload, and where's the poop are all real. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, do you have one from the community, Jeff? Um? I do. Get a load of this. Uh, this one is from Nick from Exoprimal. It's his screen name. Um, it's called The Death of Unity. Go figure. Uh, it's an article that was written by Brendan Sheffield um, mm. from Necrosoft Games, and he kind I- of goes into... He, he does. He has his own um, 
angry energy about how stupid the Unity deal is and kind of talks about it from the developer perspective. Right on. Uh, Links below for all this fun stuff. You want to check it out. Uh, Hey, that's it for this episode of the MinMax Show. Thank you so much for watching or listening, everybody. We thank the... Um, again, reminder, we have Trivia Tower coming up September 19th. You can help support independent games media. Jump into the $2 tier. Compete to win $1,000. But it's going to be tough. But we have a ton of codes to give away as well, even if you don't make it to the end. A buttload of codes. A buttload of codes, everybody. Uh, also, shout out. I feel bad I forgot to shout out last week. But the Deepest Dive on Armored Core 6 is now donezo. That's a wrap. Uh, three episodes Truly the best, most thorough discussion about Armored Core 6 on the internet. Uh, yeah, Jacob Geller and Sergio Vasquez are not our price. Knocked it out of the park. It's one of those, you know, normally how we, um, normally it's like something waypoint adjacent that we listen to, Leo, and we say, my God, these people are so much smarter than we could ever be. What are we doing with our lives? We cannot tell the community about this. Yes. Um, now that's kind of min-max content because I listened to that Armored Core 6 deepest dive and like everybody's great. Renata just again, knocks out of the park. And it's like, I could, I could not come close to being as smart as those three are when talking about Armored Core 6. And what I love about it is every other discussion of podcast I've heard talk about Armored Core 6 is like, I don't know, I guess it has a story, but being a robot feels good. And that's all I care about. Whereas this is like, they are so into the story and that I'm so into the narrative and take it seriously and like talk about themes in Armored Core 6. It's, it's a Hall of Fame Deepest Dive, so check it out. And if you enjoy it, you can help support that format uh, moving forward. Also, uh, we have the travelogue from PAX West and Nintendo Live. That is up on MinMax's YouTube channel right now. You can check that out. It's Janet along with Kelsey Lewin and Jenna Steber uh, exploring PAX West and uh, Nintendo Live and all that fun stuff. And uh, shout out to Janet. Uh, the version on YouTube, I think, is like 11 minutes long. Um, the footage that Janet sent over to cut down into the travelogue, she sent over over four hours. Um, and this is after me saying, just do the Nintendo Live tour, keep it simple, let's focus on that. She's like, okay. It, she just does not stop. Um, and so you can check out that extended version at the backstage past here for the full experience with more of the tours and all that fun stuff. Um, I like how that was the shorty squad travel log. Like sometimes when you like, it's like you looking down at everybody, but right. then they're like, Kelsey and Janet were the same height. So they're like, hi. And everyone's like kind of talking on the same level. Yeah. It's bizarre to see. Uh, and then uh, Haley's new episode of Haley's laws, claws and claws is up on YouTube covering publisher agreements. Um, and Haley, you have, you threw a grenade into the discord the other day and then tried to be cool walking away from it. Cause we're talking about like the hall of fame, new show plus shows like Haley's law show is up to three episodes deep, which is nearing the top. I think we're at like five or six for the longest streak. And one of them is Sarah, the horse girl. And then you toss this grenade saying, by the way, I'm also a bigger horse girl than Sarah is do with that. What you will internet. Oh, I would never come for Sarah's horse girl <laughs> credibility. I, I am also a horse girl. Oh, okay. So it's not a competition. That's what you don't get about the scene. Though. Is that right? But what if we made it horse girl V horse girl? And then that's the show that takes down Haley's legal show. It might be the only thing possible of stopping this legal train I that we're on. I have played 10 million horse games because when I was a kid, that's all I got gifted. Like every single one you possibly could ever think of on PC, Mac, like we, like I've played them. All right. Love we got to do something with it. Um, yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, a reminder, mentioned it during the uh, questions and stuff, but MinHacks, the MinMax Community Game Jam starting in October in that discourse, you can jump in and, be a part of making something cool. It's a, it's a fun time. There's going to be a theme that they're going to announce that you can incorporate in some way in the game and stuff. And again, you don't have to know anything about coding. You have some skills that can be helpful to some team in MinHack. So please jump in there. 
Um, that's it. Anybody else got anything they want to plug? Uh, my new video's out. Working weird fake jobs from rom-coms. Yeah. Uh, Leo, I, I, that was my get a little of this last week, so I won't kiss your ass too much with you actually on here capable of hearing it. Oh, but thank you. The, the conclusion is I watched that video and a little bit like the deepest dive where that discussion just feels like that's outside of the realm of possibility. I watched that video and I was like, I cannot imagine putting something like that together because it's i love the puppets leo it's thank you it's the looseness and obviously everybody in the comments is on top of it but the looseness of having that focus of rom-com jobs aren't they silly let's unpack them but then through the fame framework of what just feels like a lot of improv with puppets (laughs) it's a it's it's a thing that only you can make so hats off uh to you and the team that put it together and the stupid thank you so much that turn of the puppet insulting you and then turning to talk about how they want your pants on the bedroom floor. It's <laughs> <laughs> the funniest pivot ever in a long time. Uh, Some stuff, it's like, yeah, you know, it, it just works. You're not confident if you're just by yourself riffing out something random. It's like, is that funny? Does that make sense? But right. with three people in a room, you're like, that makes us laugh for a reason. I could have some <laughs> confidence in putting this in here. Yeah, the most too- touching compliments I've gotten on it are like, I thought it was going to be so cringe seeing the puppets. I was yep. like, oh no, he's another YouTuber doing like puppet side characters, but then they won me over throughout it. Like, That's it. That has meant a lot. There we go. Uh, and thank you so much, everybody, for supporting WinMax again on Patreon. Thank you to everybody who supports us at the $50 tier, the Game Champion tier. You can choose any game under the sun uh, and be declared the champion of it and be in the description for every MinMax video and post and podcast. Joshua Ayers, don't you forget it, Jeff, is the champion of One Piece Pirate Warriors 4. One through three are still up for grabs, but Joshua has it. Rabid Lime, the champion of Earth Defense Force 4.1 Shadow of New Despair. Sorry, Leo. There you go. Wow. I streamed that recently. Ooh, Malcolm Holiday, the champion of Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. That's going to be a contender for the poll. Uh, and Patrick Polk is the champion of Snatcher. Hideo Kojima's Snatcher. Cool choice. All right. Thanks so much, everybody, for supporting the show. We appreciate those reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that fun stuff. Any help spreading the word on Reddit about MinMax is also appreciated, but we can't ask you to do it every day. Thank you so much, everybody. That's it for this episode. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.